You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since All right, everybody, welcome to the GGTMC. We are back on the air. We are still recording shows. Life is good. Hope everybody out there is having a great time. Hope everybody out there is enjoying the show. Yeah. Yes. So, this, so this week it's just Todd and I. Uh, Will's got some things going on, and uh, we whipped up an Arrow show for you guys. You know, obviously, know you got a large backlog of Arrow releases, as mm-hmm. they are one of the most... Uh, well, they're they're releasing a lot of stuff, and uh, yeah. they must be successful. I'm assuming. Don't really know how that business works because they keep putting stuff out, and I'm happy about that because, as Will has often said, they are kind of the the criterion in a way of uh, of genre cinema. So this week um, we're doing uh, Kaltiki, the Immortal Monster, or Kaltiki. <laughs> Il mostro immortale. That's right, immortale. You hear a lot of that, and um, we are also doing and chamaras. Yeah, that's from a nineteen sixty what? Caltiki <laughs> uh, uh, was nineteen fifty nine. Wow, man, nineteen fifty nine. One of our older selections we've done, and uh, we're going to be doing the Ghoul, which is more of a contemporary thing. Um, two thousand sixteen. Yeah, yep. so sorry, uh, that's no problem. Uh, Gareth Tunley directed that. Caltiki, uh, arguably. Is uh, basically directed by Mario Bava. Ricardo Freda did some of it, but uh, Freda always wanted Bava to have credit. So we'll go with what Freda wanted. He knows mm-hmm. more than we know, obviously, what was going on. All right. So that's what we're doing this week. Uh, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. We're going to jump right into the intros and things. Uh, not the intros, but it's just like I said, it's Todd and I. We're going to jump right into what we've been watching and get down and boogie with the show this week so todd what have you been up to uh well let's see uh i caught uh teenage mutant ninja turtles out of the shadows also from 2016 funny enough interesting Uh, interesting. yes and uh it was uh not uh, not as much fun for me as the first uh, as the first one the first one i thought was okay yeah uh this one just went way down uh 
way down for me. Really kind of just average across the board. Mm. Um, and it really suffers from just being one of these movies where it's basically very, very little more than just being a cartoon with uh, a couple of live people in it here and there. Yeah. Um, but what are you going to do? I mean, this is the way they're doing things now. Yeah. Uh, it's like modern Hollywood has turned into Ralph Baschke's uh, big dream or something. <laughs> yeah, it really has. Uh, really has. Uh, I finally caught all of Starman, uh, 1984, Mister Carpenter's movie. Um, liked it a good deal. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, got a lot of heart. Um, oh, you never very... you never seen it? Not in full. I've seen. Oh, okay, I've okay. Se- it's one of those movies where I've seen kind of like 2001. I've seen just about every scene from it at some point or another in time, uh, but I've never seen them all. You know the way they're supposed to be seen. Interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah. So caught this one. Uh, I liked it. Um, is it? It's not top tier. Uh, Carpenter for me. I know for a lot of folks, especially Will is a big fan of this one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it's, you know, it's good. It's very good, uh, but not top tier uh, Carpenter for me. Uh, it's around about the fog area for me, yeah. which I know is another one that a lot of folks really, really love. And it's just, eh. yeah, I like it. I like it a lot, but yeah, no, not right. the, not the best. You know, the fog, um, the fog's a funny story. I can't remember what I said during our review of it a long time ago, but, um, the first time I saw it, I didn't really care for it. But as time went on, I liked it more and more. Starman, I've always kind of felt the same way. So I've, I've never, and I'll, you know, I'll leave that to if we ever review it. I'm assuming we probably will because Will likes it. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The fog, uh, the fog. I think I liked more. Well, when the fog came out, uh, I loved the commercials for it. They scared the shit out of me. Um, but then I saw the movie, and I was just like, oh well, that was okay. And I've always just kind of maintained that it never—it's never really risen or uh, or dropped for me. Um, I don't know why. It just uh, yeah. just doesn't quite hit it. Hit yeah. it like it should. Doesn't hit it uh, like it should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we well, we've all been there. Mm-hmm. Um, I caught uh, Straight Time from 1978 with Mr. Dustin Hoffman, Teresa Russell, uh, Gary Busey, um, Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, yes. And I, I like the crap out of this thing. Yeah. Um, really, really under, uh, undersung sort of, um, that's a good one. Yeah. Crime, uh, crime drama and written by, uh, Eddie Bunker, I do believe, uh, uh Mr. Yeah. Famously. Mr. Pink? Uh, so, no, not Mr. Pink. Uh, no, Mr. no, no, no. Mr. I think he was Mr. He wasn't Mr. Brown. Mr. Blue? Uh, Mr. Blue? Maybe. <laughs> I don't remember. We look like dumbasses, but I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go to IMDb. I'm going to stick with Blue on that one. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it was really really good. Um, I like that. I love. It's one of those movies that. Um, one of those films that you just. I mean, you don't see hit in theaters anymore. And I know yeah. a lot of people. Yeah kind of have this thing where, yeah, they still make great movies, you just got to dig for them. And I'm like, well, yeah, I understand that. They still don't make great movies. And, you you know, you do have to dig for them. But that's kind of my gripe, is that you have to dig for them. Yeah. Um, because, you know, with the quote-unquote democratization of filmmaking and everything else, and I don't want to get off on a rant, but, um, you know, it's just that much more shit you have to go digging for. And then, you know, you, you miss how many things because you just don't hear about them. You don't have the opportunity yeah. to see them. Yeah. Uh, you know, down the street. But, you know, when I was a, when I was young, I distinctly recall uh, we had two theaters in my uh, in my town here, and one of them had two screens, one of them had one screen. The one that had one screen, you know, was playing at one point in time, uh, Graydon Clark's "Without Warning," and I'm like, you know, you will never see that again. Not the same way. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that is true. Uh, and that that, is that's kind of that's kind of you know that was the miracle of uh, of film back then was that you could see things that were you know not a giant you know CG tentpole thing yeah. that plays on every single screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that was that's what that's kind of what I miss. And you know you can call it nostalgia, you can call it old man syndrome, you can call it whatever you want. But that's I, I think it's a legit gripe personally. I do too. I do too. I mean, I like I said, I always try to hold off on the griping about it, but. I try to, but it's still it's still one of those things that just you know it's like yeah. it, it it doesn't have to be this way, yeah. but it, this is the way that it is. Yeah, this is what the that, I mean. That's what the audience supports. I mean, that's just what it, it is. Yeah, this is the way that the 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 industry has. Uh, this is the way the industry has gone. This is the way they want it. Well, then it's one of those. This is what you want. This is what you get. Kind of deal. Yeah, so. so so we have to dig. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I caught uh, Solo, uh, Star Wars story in the theater. Ah, um, yes. I caught that as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh I thought it was decent. Uh there were some uh there were some things in it that I love that I think got short shrifted. Um but other than that, uh it's it's not bad. It's not bad as a little crime story, a little uh a little heist kinda in space movie. Um Yeah, I liked did, it as well. Didn't knock my boots off. Yeah. There were certain things that didn't, you know. I was watching them, and I was like, "Well, why in the hell is that happening?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about. I'm not just talking about like kind of set up Easter eggy kind of things. I'm just talking about. Yeah. You know, the, just in the, in the story, like um, during the uh, the train heist, there's a certain thing that happens. I'm like, "Well, why the fuck would you do that? That's that makes no sense. There's no need for that to happen." Uh, I won't say what it is, obviously, yeah. but. Um, for those who haven't seen it, but I, I thought it was decent. Yeah, I'll um, chime in a little bit on it too. It, it it was decent. It wasn't that bad. I mean, I've seen, oh. I've seen, um, you know, obviously much worse films. Uh, I tell you, there though, there is a chunk of it that, well, at least the theater I saw it in, could have used a little bit of a brightness adjustment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it is a dark. It is a pretty dark, uh, yeah, dark it, film, like it, dark looking. Yeah, yeah, it's dark looking. Yeah, that's the that's the thing, and and. I usually don't have a problem with that, but for some strange reason, it kind of came off a little bit dull during those moments for me. Uh, and and that, and and really, some of that stuff that's going on during those moments. Well, I can say this, but it's basically like a heist. That's the stuff I really wanted. Uh, you know, that's some of the stuff I really got into because it's yeah. very old school, old western, right? You know, train heist, all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, and, yeah. and I really got kind of into that and stuff. But man, I was having a hard time seeing it. So that was that was one of my major gripes. If I had one. It, 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 I agree. It's it's good. Um, it's certainly not great. Uh, it's yeah. certainly not. Uh, I don't think. I mean, to me, it's. <laughs> and people are shitting on it big time. Some people are, but I, I don't think it's that bad. But I don't think it's. No. But I also, I, sh- I should say, you know, it's, it's it's fairly above average and fine. And my, my son liked it, and that's the audience it's aimed for. So, mm-hmm. I think people were expecting it. You know, I think people expect these things to always be a home run, and yeah. I don't think any franchise is uh indestructible or you know anything, or invincible even uh this solo is showing that for star wars what's crazy is all the stuff that's gone on after this has come out you know it's only made 150 million dollars is this the end for kathleen kennedy no is this the end it's for not. star wars i'm like yeah no that's not going no. anywhere come on it's let's, crazy let's have a slightly level head about this shit please yeah um, but yeah, no, I, and, uh, and I'll be honest, uh, none of the new star Wars stuff has really knocked my socks off. Yeah. Um, none of it has for me either. Yeah. And I haven't seen last Jedi yet, but, uh, 
but you know the other stuff I, I like it I, you know I don't have you know massive problems with it I enjoy them for what they are I mean they're excruciatingly derivative in a lot of ways but mm-hmm. um, you know let's be perfectly honest the original trilogy was extremely derivative as well it just was yeah. derivative of stuff that um, wasn't quite as uh, you know ground into the dirt as it were yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah if point. you were a film buff the originals were very derivative yes Oh, sure. Yeah, sure. like growing up, of course, you know, I think we mean you're similar in age. So growing up, we probably didn't know that. So probably really the main thing I'm always appreciative of the first Star Wars film for, really more than anything, mm-hmm. is the fact that it opened my mind to um, Akira Kurosawa and all these other filmmakers. Yeah, yep, so. yep. Um, so, yeah, there was that. Uh, I saw The Square from 2017. Oh, yeah. And, man, I kept disconnected from this movie throughout. It is one of these bizarro, uh, I guess, is it Swedish? I'm going to say Swedish. I'm probably totally wrong, and somebody is right now throwing something at their computer, whipping their iPod across the room or something. I believe it's made um, by the same guy that made that uh, Force Majeure film, maybe. I'm going to look uh, it up. It might be. I like Force Majeure a lot, but this one, it just, I kept disconnected from it. I thought it was way too long, and it felt a lot like one of these... Uh, these awkwardly serio comic sort of things that we get uh, sometimes now, well, a lot of times now, um, from some of these uh, these foreign uh, foreign movies. I mean, it's okay, uh, but it, it definitely is not. It, I I don't know. I just uh, yeah, it left me cold for a lot of it, and I just kept checking my watch. I was like, Jesus Christ, is this thing not over yet? Yeah. It is Swedish. Uh, Swedish. It is okay. There you go. Yeah, it's a Swedish film. Ooh, I should have ate some fish. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I just eh, it, it didn't really it didn't uh, didn't get to me. I was hoping that it was going to be yeah. more than what it was. But so I've it. I've avoided it, even though you know I've heard really good things, heard really kind of awful. I've avoided it just seriously just because of the length of the film. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's I think it's two and a half hours or something, uh-huh. uh, and it just is like why mm-hmm. is it so long? There's no yep. you know no reason for that. Um, and it, it, you know, there's a lot of digression digressions in it. Um, so yeah, but it's just a, it's one of those things. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, I caught Deadpool two in the theater. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I was a fan of the first one. Um, you know, it's really one of those franchises that you have to go into it with a certain attitude because it can be overbearing. It can be grating. Um, with the uh, the self-referential nature of it, the kind of snotty attitude, uh, all that sort of thing. But um, I like this one. Uh, you know, I had a good time with it. Uh, they chuckled a couple times here and there. There's some uh, there's some clever stuff. There's some stuff you just want to like uh, punch somebody in the head. You know, hearing it. Um, but well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the nature of Deadpool. He's he's he was born to be obnoxious. I mean, that yeah. was the whole yeah. point of the the guy in the first place. Uh, it's a bit of a step down from the first one, um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I dug it enough and, uh, you know, Domino's great in it. Uh, it was great to see her, you know, being, uh, you know, having some, some nice focus on her. Uh, I thought that, uh, Brolin as Cable was kind of, he was another one to just kind of, you know, got a little bit of the short change there in the, uh, in the, the focus department, um, unfortunately, but you know, for what he does, it's, it's well enough. And you can kind of see by the end, um, where their, uh, their relationship is going. So hopefully, yeah. 
hopefully we get to see some more and get that see, get to see that expanded if they ever do a third one. I was really disappointed uh, when uh, Stephen Lang didn't get that role. Really was. Yeah, right. I, mean, I know. He, he, I know. And it, he literally looks like Cable. <laughs> yeah, he does. Absolutely. I know. Uh, you know, whatever. He's got the hair and everything for I know, it. I know. Uh, I know. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's really odd now because you're just – a lot of the times we're seeing the, the same, like, eight or ten actors mm-hmm. in, like, every major franchise thing. And it's kind of – Yeah. I don't know. It feels a, a bit – uh, to do, 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 do the word be incestuous? Um, yeah. yeah, maybe. Uh, but it just kind of you know, it, it just seems like a bit. It, it, let's look outside the box a little bit. Let's find somebody new. Let's you know, yeah. I, I get the the marquee value if you want to call it that. But, uh, you know, for <laughs> for movie theaters that have marquees, but um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it just I don't know. I just I just wish that we would kind of open our our um. Oh Christ! Our minds. My train of thought just derailed. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty much. Let's open our uh, our horizons. Our as horizons, far as, uh, yes. For new talents. Um, went from that to Batman Gotham by Gaslight, uh, an adaptation of the uh, Brian Augustin, Mike Mignola, um, one shot graphic novel from way back in the day, and it's uh, it's decent. Um, it didn't knock my socks off again. Uh, uh, the ending is is really good. It really ramps itself up and you know delivers a nice ending. But it, up until then, it just kind of um, yeah, it's just kind of more or less standard DC animated stuff for me. Um, aside from being set in uh, jolly old England uh, during uh, the turn of the uh, 20th century or right before the turn of the 20th not a, century, not a jolly time in jolly old England, but yes, not really. No, <laughs> and it, it it has one of those it has one of those things where it has the the bizarre quality. Of trying to give you that kind of grimy look, but being really kind of um, poppy, yeah. uh, you know, you know what I mean, like clean. It's like a, it looks a little too clean, yeah, uh, with a lot of the things, which kind of you know takes away from it. I mean, if you ever saw the uh, the the comic back in the day, uh, it just it felt like uh, you know Whitechapel back uh, back then, or or I guess we could say Gotham, um, you know, but yeah. What are you gonna do? It's not bad. It's it's worth a, a look if you have a, like an hour and twenty minutes to to burn. Um, went from that to the B side, uh, Elsa Dorfman's portrait photography, uh, Mr. Errol Morris, and I really really liked uh, liked this a ton. Um, I am a huge fan of Morris. I always have been, mm-hmm. and I loved how in this one, it almost felt like. Uh, Morris and Dorfman he was kind of like holding a mirror up to himself in a way because they there's a lot of process going on in the in the thing and there's this whole idea of obviously you know uh, how she would do her own self portraits and about how Morris does his particular brand of uh, of documentary making um, where he's always referring back to the process of filmmaking itself. And, you know, like in her, in her self portrait, she's always holding the, um, the, the button that, uh, that goes to the camera. So that she, you know, she could take the picture and it's one of those things. It's just always, I just, I love that sort of thing. I love self-reflexivity. I love, uh, I love process. And, you know, just listen to this woman who's very unassuming, but, you know, also has a very strong artistic side to her. Uh, you know, she's, she just talks like a normal person. She's not like, um, 
she's not snotty about it. She's not like you know, oh, I'm an artiste, even though she is, and you know, all the, all of these people that she she knew throughout the years uh, is really impressive. And of course, it uh, it's a it's a lot more. Um, well, I should say it's a little less uh, stylish than Morris is usually uh, is usually want to do. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it does certainly have uh, a lot of his his touches in it, like touch angles and you know this um, uh, long uh, takes with the uh, with no real no real dialogue or anything going on underneath and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really really like this a lot. Uh, so yeah, good. To, uh, definitely a recommend from me. Nice. Um, and then I caught. I'm gonna bash these two together. Uh, Road Warrior and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, uh, they really kind of speak for themselves uh, at this point in time. Road Warrior still, you know, fantastic action, you know, introduced uh, a lot of folks to Vernon Wells' ass. Uh, and, of course, the, the Lord <laughs> Humongous uh, and uh, all that sort of, sort of thing. Introduced a lot of people and, to Mel Gibson, too, because a lot of people I know growing up yeah. didn't see Mad Max. They saw the Road Warrior. Yeah, yeah, absolutely true, absolutely true, which is really weird. Uh, but and then I believe this uh, cable I cable TV, Warrior, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's where I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Road Warrior tanked when it first came out, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, I uh, think at it, least it may have. Um, but uh, yeah, it certainly it certainly crawled its way up and uh, you know gotten its its accolades, its deserved accolades. Um, and taking its place, you know, where it should in the realm of uh, action cinema. It certainly gave Miller um, the uh, the venue to uh, to expand his uh, automotive mayhem sort of stylings uh, to the uh, the level that they uh, they needed to be. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's that. And then of course, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome has a, a really great first act, uh, really really bad second act. And then a really kind of flat third act, Mm -hmm. which I always kind of think is part of the problem with the third act is, you know, you have the obligatory chase at the end. But the thing is that the thing that everybody's chasing is on a set of rails. So it's not like it can move a hell of a lot aside from just, you know, knocking people off it and all that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I like that um, they went a little bit different with the the number two guy, the henchman guy Mm -hmm. character in the form of Iron Bar, who's kind of a uh, putz. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, you know he gets his ass uh, handed to him multiple times throughout the uh, the film, uh, but he's got a great look as as does everything in these in these films. Uh, but yeah, th- that section with the the Lord of the Fliesy kind of kid section in the middle just it really 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 doesn't work for me. It didn't work for me back when I saw it in the theater. Uh, still doesn't work for me today. Uh, it looks fantastic, but um, yeah, it's definitely a step down uh, and something which. You know, thank God uh, Miller, you know, came back from that with Fury Road and yeah. knocked it out of the park, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, just two more here, uh, really quick. Caught uh, the original Patrick, 1978. Uh, and this is uh, one of those ones, again, that I'd probably seen back on HBO way, way, way back in the day. Uh, and the thing that always scared the shit out of me was not so much anything going on in the film uh, as it was the uh just patrick laying there staring at you yeah the blank stare uh, i know because <laughs> man th- those eyes freak you the fuck out between the eyes and the unibrow yeah i mean come on it's like it's like uh it's like a horror marty feldman yeah. is just laying there gawking at you um but you know a lot of the film is is really 
when you boil it all down, it's really silly shit going on here. Oh yeah. Um, and and to be perfectly honest, I my opinion is that the uh, the quote unquote sequel, uh, Patrick still lives, is way more fun, way more entertaining. Uh, I don't know that I would say scarier because I don't think that that this is really all that scary aside from a couple of jump scares. Uh, and the first half of this one. Uh, really just kind of drags i noticed uh watching it now it's not until the the second half that it uh, it kind of gets interesting with some some juicy stuff um and oh and another thing that i noticed was that uh the uh, the old doctor in this one looks a hell of a lot like an elderly peter bark uh which you know is one of the just one of those little things that uh, <laughs> you kind of appreciate now yeah that you've come <laughs> that you've made it this far in your life uh, and then i caught uh messenger of death 1988, Mr. Charles Bronson, directed by, I believe, Jay Lee Thompson. Yep. Um, I think it's the last thing they did together. Yeah, yeah. I do believe it was, but uh, it, uh, it's okay. Uh, it, it, it's another one that didn't really bowl me over. Um, it's a standard kind of... It's a standard kind of thing. Uh, it doesn't really It doesn't go live up to the, its title. Uh, that, that, my problem with it when I was growing up, and I, I watched it on video when I was growing up, my problem was... It never, it never felt like it lived up to its title, Messenger of Death. Yeah, no, it really doesn't. I mean, there's a, it's just kind of is a, yeah, it's just kind of a standard kind of canon thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't go as nuts as a lot of the stuff did uh, back a little, you know, even a few years earlier for them, yep. and certainly with the uh, with Bronson, uh, you know, coming off of stuff like uh, Death Wish Three and that. So, uh, but it's okay. I mean, if you got the time, uh, they got the beer, as the uh, the old saying goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that's all I got. Uh, kick it over to you, buddy. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Productive week, yeah. Well, I was off, you know. I had staycation, <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, as the the kids like to say. Oh yeah, the staycation. Love it. Those are fun sometimes. All right. Mm. Uh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's see, what did I watch? I watched a lot of stuff actually since the last time we talked, or since the last time we did an intro to the show, anyway. Um, I don't think I talked about dark crimes. Maybe I did. Jim Carrey one. Yeah, maybe uh, I did. Uh, d- 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 I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, it's like a strange film. I think it's a Polish film. Uh, Jim Carrey plays a detective. A lot of dark sex games and prostitutes and stuff. Jim Carrey's hmm. got a beard. It's it's a it's a strange thing. Uh, there's a guy in it that plays a heavy. He played the heavy in the Equalizer. And I just seen I just watched the Equalizer not too long before, and for some strange reason that really took me out of it. So I, <laughs> uh, I guess because he was a heavy in two films I watched recently. So anyway, neither here nor there. Um, yeah. I started getting. So back. he's the kind of guy who was made for that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film's not great, I wouldn't say, but maybe slightly above average. Mm-hmm. I was hoping for more because it's some seriously dark content, but it's. Uh, I tell you what, though, even as dark as the content is and as dark as the movie is shot, it's still brighter than that damn train sequence in Solo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I got back on the Marvel train a little bit. Decided, you know, okay. since we, we chatted about that a while back, I jumped back in, went back and checked out Avengers Age of Ultron. It's amazing how fast three years goes by. Um, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, of course I have my daughter. She's almost three. And and then uh, my son, they keep me really busy, so I don't get a chance to watch a lot of stuff, but as much as I used to, but so, you know, broke open the cellophane on the age of Ultron, threw it in 
It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I like I like the first Avengers more, but yeah, uh, yeah. it's not bad. I enjoyed Ultron quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I loved I love Spader as Ultron. Yeah. And the thing that I like the most about this one is that I you know I've said it before I I really like that they gave him a quote unquote super villain plot. Yeah. To uh to, you know do. Yes. Uh, and you know it's one of those things that we hadn't really they hadn't really gotten into too much yep. uh, up until then you know as far as I'm concerned but yeah. this one really gave it the uh, you know that that kind of supervillain it felt like a comic book supervillain plot it and did. I really appreciated that it it's I, not great I really liked but, uh, I liked uh, Ultron's uh, entrance into the film I liked yeah. uh, you know of course the kind of ghostly technology entrance and then of course I liked the kind of broken uh, physical entrance. I thought it was really uh, really clever, and uh, and then the constant improvement, obviously, that a creature of technology would want, and uh, you know, that's I, I think I really liked his art quite a bit. I mean, he was my favorite thing about the movie. I'll say that. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, was, it's like you know, it's one of those things that I think that they've they've been learning well. Marvel has yeah. well for mostly is that you know uh, the heroes really only as good as the uh, the villain. So yeah. yeah, which is to me is. I mean, for me personally, that is the main thing for any kind of film like that. The villain has got to be, if not better, he has to at least be equal to the hero, or else you got no, you got nowhere to go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that can fall down just to something as simple as casting sometimes. Um, yeah. And Spader's fine. He's great. He's got this kind of deadpan, drollish, kind of sleazy way of talking. That yeah. He's, that yeah. he's always I, had. I, it's perfect. Man, I thought he just. I thought he killed. I love them as Ultron. Yeah. Love them. Yeah, it's pretty good. And then I turned around and said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start churning through some of these. Now, I haven't gotten to Ant-Man. That's my next project. Mm-hmm. But I'd gotten into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Okay. Again, I liked it. Uh, didn't like it as much as the first one. The first one felt like it had a really kind of rebellious energy to it. Where mm-hmm. this one feels a little bit more like it has, hey, we did really well. Um you know, let's smoke some pot. Let's do more of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's do more of that and smoke some pot and bring Kurt Russell in with a big beard. And, you know, no, it, it, it's fine. I mean, it's not bad at all. I, mean, I did enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. Got a little tired of the ego stuff after a while. I'll say that. I won't give too much away for those who haven't seen it, but got a little tired of it after a little bit. And and that's kind of a shame because of who is portraying that and stuff. I know by now everybody's, I mean, again, this is 2000, this is a year ago. I know most people have seen it, but I don't want to give it away for those who haven't, like me, who didn't go back and watch it. But I enjoyed the casting. Uh, some nice, fun surprises at the end, too, you know? Yeah. Uh, that was all fun. And uh, Oh, I, I love that one Easter egg. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. With the, uh, <laughs> it's the golden. Yes. It's very I, good. I won't use the words I want to use, but yeah, yeah. yeah, I was just, oh, man. Very excited can't about Can't wait. Can't fucking wait. Yeah. Very excited about that stuff. And uh, I like that golden race altogether. I like the kind of. Yeah, there's a lot of social commentary there. I like absolutely, <laughs> uh, and it, it wasn't you know hitting you over the head social commentary, which is a nice touch. Yeah, but it's not afraid. It's not afraid to to go down that route. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of one of the things that I appreciate about uh, Gunn's handling of that that particular property. Yeah, is he's not afraid to go kind of you know just a little bit goofy. Yeah, and just kind of say like, listen, this is the way I let, this is the way I see it. Then, you know, there you and it's go. a lot of Gunn's personality, right? I mean, because if you look at his career, yeah. you know, he's a horror guy. Uh, mm-hmm. low budget horror guy and stuff and a lot of it and there's always been a, a trail of goofiness in his stuff and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and him just they, they belong together it's just one of those oh, yeah. weird things where the director and the, the property just belong together it'll be interesting yeah. if anybody else ever does a Guardians film it'll be interesting 
what that would uh, look like. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm assuming well, that he's going to do a third one, but you know, after the third one, who knows, right? So yeah, we'll see. But yeah, it's usually three. Uh, it's usually they go for the trilogy thing, and then mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. Yeah, and at this point, if I was him, I might go for the trilogy thing. I mean, because sure, why not? The first two have been pretty solid. Uh, like I said, like the first one a little bit more in this one, but um, I think it really kind of comes down to some simple things. I liked Baby Groot, but uh, didn't love Baby Groot. I did like yeah. some of the kind of cute moments with Baby Groot. I like the fact that. You know, he he kind of needed human interaction, uh, like like a baby. Like he would uh, crawl up on somebody's shoulder or something. Uh, I liked some of that stuff. Um, I thought I would hate that stuff actually, but I you know maybe it's being a father or something. But I like that stuff quite a bit. Um, I just missed. I don't know if I liked the uh, the cantankerous rocket and little Groot stuff. Although I thought some of the moments were funny. And the opening of the film I really liked. As much as I thought I would hate that, I really liked that. The uh, mm-hmm. Was it Mr. Blue Sky, maybe? Yes, it was. Yellow. Yes. Yep. yep. So, really uh, really enjoyed that. I thought that was well done. The uh, way they kept the most of the special effects in the background while the small special effects were going on in the foreground. I thought it was really... <laughs> it's kind of a bold move because I know you know they spent a ton of money on that background shit. So, you know, pretty interesting in the way it's kind of shot in portrait photography. Anyway, I could go on about that for a while. Uh, watch Joe Bryath AD, which is about um, kind of a glam pop star from 70s, early 80s. Kind of a lesser Ziggy Stardust. A very talented young man who was in hair and a few other things in the 70s. Um, one of the first notable kind of, uh, uh, well, he was the very first notable purely gay rock star. He came right out as that. And uh, um, they say that, you know, obviously back in the day they may have hurt his career. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away from AIDS. One of the first casualties of AIDS in the in the rock world, uh, hmm. but not a, not a super popular rock star. His music is very interesting. If you ever get a chance to check out some Joe Bryath, uh, it's very interesting. Very classically trained pianist, kind of pop starish music. It's it's very bizarre, but it it kind of works too. So, uh, good documentary, not a great one, but uh, pretty interesting. Especially if you've never if you don't know anything about Joe Bryath, so. And there's some, uh, I mean, he's, he's he's as cold as they get as far as music goes. So there's some people coming into this film that's kind of interesting. They're rocking their Joe Bryath shirts. I'm like, you know, did you make that shirt for this movie? Because nobody was rocking those Joe Bryath shirts before. <laughs> yeah, right. Joe Elliott from Def Leppard, he's got a, he's got a Joe Bryath shirt on. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, maybe he, you know, he probably is a fan, but I doubt he bought that. That shirt looks new. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's one of those things that yeah, just kind of. That's one. You know, he just wants to champion his his Joe Bryath love, and that's uh, fine. Yeah, that's fine. fine. Uh, again, I watched Solo like you did. Uh, mm-hmm. It was fine. Um, the Equalizer. I watched that uh, again. Same thing. It was fine. Uh, over long. I liked it a lot. Yeah, over long for me in spots. I really like yeah, Denzel. Yeah. I like Denzel in the film a lot. I'm glad they're making a second one. I think this is yep. a good franchise for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the character of the Equalizer. Obviously, he kind of speaks to me. I'm very bookish and quiet and stuff like that. And like to think I'm a tough guy. I'm nowhere near as tough as Denzel is in this. So. <laughs> also, like to think I'm a very solid uh, Home Depot clerk. Um, but you know, no, I'll joke aside. It's not a bad movie. I really like it when the rain starts coming down. Again, it's the heavy for me. I didn't really like. I don't like that actor the, that is playing the heavy in this. The Russian heavy. There's something about that guy that doesn't work for me. He's got a good heavy look, but I don't mm-hmm. know. He just never really intimidates me. So, yeah, know. he's kind of um, he's kind of a bit try hard. 
Yeah, that's what I. That's uh, what I felt. It, it comes off like he's kind of. He kind of. It's almost like he's he's kind of like coasting on this sort of you know Russian kind of um, background mm-hmm. that he mm-hmm. he has. I don't, I'm assuming he's Russian. I don't know. Yeah, and Fuqua. I don't think he. I think he's English. Uh, uh, Fuqua. Oh, there you go. Oh. Fuqua, who I normally like uh, quite a bit, uh, he does some weird things in here that I don't normally care for. There's a weird moment where they do a kind of over-the-head zoom of all of his tattoos and stuff, and I was like, oh, well, this, uh, mm-hmm. this doesn't, you know, really impress me. You know? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, this is, but that's that's you know, the Equalizer is one of those ones that goes into the realm of the whole uh, the whole Liam Neeson-y kind of old man kicking ass yeah. kind of genre yeah, that I really genre, like. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, I think that's, you know, you know, it plays all. It plays most of its cards, you know, you know, the yeah. way that it should. So I, I dug it. Yeah, these are all at this point. These, this old man kicking ass genre. This is all Charles Bronson films, right? These, I oh, mean, absolutely. They're, yeah. they're yeah. essentially the Charles Bronson genre all over again. It's kind of a, you know, even when I saw Taken, I thought, okay, well, this is, you know, here we go. This is bound to happen. They were going to bring these, you know, over middle aged men back and put them in these kind of simple B grade action movies. Mm-hmm. And give them a little bit more money, and and you know, and I'm fine with that. I could watch those all day long. So, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I'm good yeah. with that, right? So, that's the genre I love. So I'm I'm good with that. Um, mm-hmm. Did a rewatch of uh, Herzog's Even Dwarf started small, which is a bizarre film to say the least. <laughs> it's very Herzogian. Um, if you've never seen it, uh, I recommend. I have not. I recommend. Uh, be warned, there is some animal cruelty in it. Um, some people, and it's not. Certainly not cannibal Holocaust uh, level cruelty, but uh, some you know melancholy sadness involving animals, uh, and okay. some just matter of factness, right? I mean, it's just you know it is what it is. It's not a wonderful thing to talk about, but Herzog's not ever one to shy away from, you know, just kind of hitting you right between the eyes with things. Sometimes, film mm-hmm. strange to say the least. I mean, it's one of Crispin Glover's strange uh, favorite films, so <laughs> that should tell you everything you need to know. Uh, <sighs> I think it's one of Nick Cage's favorite films too, so. <laughs> And those guys are best friends, so you can imagine yeah. them getting together. And it puts like, it in a nutshell, there ain't there. Like, hey, Nick, you want to watch Evan Jorso? Yeah, Crispin, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> my Nick and Crispin conversation. <laughs> this is wonderful. Um, we watched uh, Bad Day of Black Rock with commentary. Uh, I still think Bad Day of Black Rock, again, that that's kind of pre-Death Wish, uh, pre-Old Man. Uh, kicking yeah. ass in a way because Spencer Tracy's yeah. kind of walking into town very and, it, and uh, he only had one arm yeah very yojimbo very simple uh as I as I get older I realize the bad day of black rock might be almost the perfect genre movie in some ways because it's so simple um uh, guy mm-hmm. comes into town something's wrong things get crazy guy leaves town I mean it's it's really and of course, I just gave yeah. the whole film away. But hey, it is what it is. But uh, it's just such a simple, and it's you know, it's eighty minutes long. It's like you know, as time goes on, it's just like the leanest, simplest, and maybe one of the most powerful cast of all times, <laughs> all put together. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it's you know, you say lean, and it's really one of those films that yeah, it is. It is just simple. It, it's there's no, this is not a film full of surprises. It really lives off of. Um, Spencer Tracy and how he carries himself through yep. the whole film, how yep. he handles himself, how he deals with these people when he comes to this town. That's really the meat of the movie. Uh, and I think it works in spades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Um, Commentary is really great, too, on the, uh, I think it's a Warner Archive Blu-ray release. I had to pick okay. it up. I wanted it on Blu-ray anyway, but it has a commentary track on there from a film professor. I can't remember his name. Forgive me, but it's pretty good. Um, I watched Black. I love, the, I love those uh, academic. Uh, yeah, they're good. They're good, right? 
Yeah. Because they, they kind of take it to a different level. And, exactly. Yeah. They give you a little bit more insight than just, you know, yeah. what was going on during the production, blah, 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 right. blah, blah, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, Blackwater. This is a Dolph Lundgren, John Claude Van Damme movie. Uh, I checked it out. It's, uh, well, it's not good. It, it, it should be. <laughs> it, it's average at best. Um, uh, Lundgren doesn't really get involved in the movie a whole lot until most of the way through it. So it's a really easy job for him. Uh, it's fun to see them together as always. Van Damme is fine. Um, in this kind of movie, but, uh, the movie's just not, it's just not great. I mean, it's, it's the, basically kind of like a prison submarine movie and it sounds like okay. it'd be a lot of fun. Right. But it, it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like one minute of it is, it doesn't feel like one minute of it is shot on a submarine. It feels like it's all shot in a studio. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, oh, this is the yeah. biggest submarine, the most spacious submarine I've ever seen. <laughs> so that, that it's like the, uh, the the porn set of uh, submarine yeah. sets. Yeah, um, but you know, I wouldn't recommend it unless you're a diehard fan of those two guys, uh, and which okay. I am, and that's why I watched it. But I wouldn't recommend it to anybody else unless they really just want to see Van Damme and. Uh, Lundgren again. Uh, went back and opened up some other DVDs and Blu-rays I bought over the uh, last few years that I haven't got around to. Watched uh, Aronofsky's Noah. I watched Noah. I had bought this uh, for like seven bucks at some store or something. Cracked it open and checked it out. Uh, I enjoyed a, a, a great portion of Noah. Um, there's some stuff in it I didn't care. It got a little long in the tooth in some aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it though. I mean, I, I got to say, I like Arnofsky's style and, uh, Russell Crowe, as much as I don't care for him as a person, uh, you know, if you, if you read tabloids and everything else, he seems like a bit of a jerk and, and all that good stuff. As far as film charisma goes, the guy fucking has it in spades. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he, he, he really has talk about that old man kicking ass face. I mean, he just. It's kind of this hangdog kind of surfer dude look in this movie a little bit at points, but, uh, man, I, I really like him a lot and he just has star power and, you know, you just can't, you can't explain why, at least for me, why a camera loves somebody that much. But it, for me, he just, he works really well on film. So, um, like I say, don't always care for his antics outside of that. Really don't like his music, but, uh, yeah. I do enjoy him in films to say the least. And I enjoyed this. It was Bizarre. I love the. I don't know if you saw it, but I love the big uh, rock monsters. They were almost uh, old school Harryhausen like in this modern yeah. age. I kind of enjoyed that. Kinda yeah, I, I thought it was okay. Uh, it's yeah. yeah, it didn't uh, it didn't you know knock me out, but mm. it's not bad. Cool. And it does have some interesting stuff going on in it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, finished up. I finally watched The Purge. I remember Will watched this a long time ago. Obviously, five years ago. And uh, it's crazy, ain't it? The Purge is five years old. And, um, I thought, well, you know, I'll check it out. I had an availability to watch it. I had a few, you know, I had an hour and a half. I was like, I'm gonna check this out. Will liked it. I know there's a few purge films now. I like the idea behind the purge and that's pretty much what I'll say about this. I really like the idea behind this. I like the plot and all those kind of things. At one point in this film though, the point where I think I was supposed to be the most invested, I fell out of it. Um, with some, you know, just some, um, overacting that i didn't care for and some uh-huh. uh just some silliness um that i didn't care for but i will say i liked the film I, d- I didn't love it but i did like it it was quite enjoyable and i am going to check out the other purge films i am going to check them out i've heard that a lot of people like purge two more so 
Uh, that was the only one that I've seen. Yeah, so I'm gonna um, check that was out. Perch two. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. A little crossbones action in Perch two. Little, uh, a little bit. What's his name? Uh, Frank Grillo. Yeah, another Frank Grillo. Yeah, old man kicking ass. Uh, if you want to put it that way, because guy, uh-huh. he kind of reminds me of Bronson because he really hasn't picked up steam until he got into his fifties. So it's interesting uh, yeah, how right? his careers work sometimes. Yeah, I know it's crazy, ain't it? <laughs> All right, so that is everything we watched. Uh, Obviously, we watched some other stuff, but we'll get to that as we talk about it. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk Katiki, the immortal monster, il monstro immortale. Uh, Sorry, my voice got a little out of control. Uh, uh, We'll be back uh, right after I find the button to shut off the recording. We'll be back right after this. Do you like great music? Do you like in-depth podcasts? Do you like the idea of putting great music under the microscope? If you answered yes, no, or fish to any of these questions, Love That Album is the show for you. Every month, Morris and a fellow music fanatic discuss a particular album in detail. They'll cover the performer, the history behind the recording, the musicianship, common thematic elements between the songs, and how many drugs were consumed during its creation. Well, maybe not so much of the last bit. So, if you want to hear a podcast bringing perspective to great rock, jazz, folk, punk, and sea shanty music, then subscribe to... Love That Album podcast at Apple Podcasts or download directly from lovethatalbum.blogspot.com. Welcome back. Um, we're going to talk about Kaltiki, the Immortal Monster from 1959, also known as Kaltiki el Monstro Immortale. <laughs> no, Will would like that. Uh, I could actually hear you twirling spaghetti while you did that. Yeah, in the corners of my mustache as well. <laughs> Kaltiki el Monstro Immortale. Directed by Ricardo Freda, which I don't believe on this show, believe it or not, I don't know if we've ever talked, ever covered a Ricardo Freda film. And oddly, this one is one that uh, he didn't have, well, he had something to do with, but he backed way off and gave most of the credit to Mario Bava. Yeah. Well, it's, I've heard multiple things about it. I've heard that um, Bava only did like the, shot only the uh, more or less the special effects stuff nothing really with actors and i've also heard and this is in the the special features on the uh, the arrow disc which um is what we're what we're using for the review today um i've also heard that uh you know freda basically yeah he 
disowned it as completely being a Baba movie. He just was like, eh, no, it's a Baba movie. It's not yeah. my movie. Yeah, yeah, like he was upset or something about something, some type of credit Baba didn't get on something else. Anyway, yeah, the, from what I understand, I, I I know a little bit more about Mario Baba. From what I understand, though, he was a very kind of meek, kind of quiet gentleman. Uh, not your uh, typical kind of... Uh, I don't know, uh, posturing type of director and, and sure. you know, would would do a lot of things basically without taking credit and uh, help out however he could and blah, blah, blah. Evidently, his dad was a real, the, he was the complete opposite. Bava's dad was, Eugenio Bava. Mm. And uh, I guess he was kind of a meek, kind of quiet gentleman or whatever, but uh, I guess Fredo kind of pushed him. So this is very early. And uh, one of the things I'm sure we'll talk about as we review this film is uh, surprisingly how kind of, uh, gory this film is mm. in a way for especially for 1959 i mean it's uh early and i think italian i think this is considered one of the very earliest of the italian slash horror slash sci-fi films i think they're afraid uh, often credited i believe with the first italian horror film i think which was uh something some <laughs> man i sound like a dumbass saying this but I, <laughs> some of the stuff used to just roll right off the top of my head but in the ten years we're going on ten years we've been doing the show, stuff just don't just don't flow like it used to. No. But I believe it was a a vampire film. Uh, Lust of the Vampire. Yeah, I think so. I, I want to say. Yeah, I think it might be credit. It might be considered the first Italian horror film. Don't quote me on that. But I know Fred is uh, usually tied to that, and uh, some would say uh, would give him credit. But like I said, I don't think we've ever really talked to Fred a film on here. At least I haven't. Of course, we've done this show with so many different people in so many different ways over the last few years because of uh, commitments and whatnot. But looking through his filmography, I don't see anything that uh, we've talked about. So either way, we'll get into this. This is, uh, like I said, 1959. This is the Arrow Video uh, release, uh, the Blu-ray. Really nice release. It's got some a couple commentary tracks, one from Tim Lucas. Obviously, anytime Bava's involved, they try to get Lucas involved. And um, I can't remember who the other one's from, but uh, Troy Hallworth or something, maybe? I believe so. Troy Hallworth, yeah. Yep. And uh, some other stuff. Kim Newman interview on here and stuff, talking about film. There's a guy that can rattle off some memories. Uh, Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. um, As I was – because I I reviewed this back on the the blog way, 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 way back. And I didn't, you know, look at that. Uh, and I didn't watch any of the special features until after I watched the movie. And I was really kind of happily surprised that uh, Newman and I uh, both uh, kind of hit on a lot of the same – we made a lot of the same uh, observations. So mm-hmm. I'm always kind of tickled pink when when I see that sort of thing. I'm like, oh, thank God we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Kim Newman's one of the, uh, the great uh, genre critics. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, if you aren't familiar with him, which I think most people on the list of this show probably are familiar with him, yes, go ahead and give him a a read. There's a lot of good yeah. stuff out there about Newman. He's on a Dracula series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of great uh, stuff. Seems like he knows. He's one of those one of those film guys that uh, <laughs> seems to know everything about anything. If you talk yep. movies, um, okay. So let's get into this a little bit. Let me uh, give a brief plot synopsis. I don't know if who wants to lead, but. I can, you can, doesn't matter. We'll get to that in a minute. Let me uh, pull up the synopsis here. Archaeologists investigating some Mayan ruins come across a blob-like monster. They manage to destroy it with fire, but keep a sample. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. It gets a little deeper, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. 
Now, Kaltiki itself kind of resembles a, uh, well, the proverbial wet blanket. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I, I, th- I thought that it looked like a, a reptilian ball of viscera. Yeah, I believe, um, I believe it's played by, I believe it's actual tripe. I believe it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so that would make sense, but yeah. I, you know, it, it's got that great textured leathery look to it. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really effective, uh, for the most part. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, obviously this is, this goes back to, uh, you know, sci-fi movies of the fifties and sixties. Uh, this one's much more graphic than uh, most mm-hmm. of the films you would see in America at the time. Um, but, it, it it has that feel. It certainly has a blob feel. Yep. Um, and it works. I mean, it really works. I mean, it's 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 very very simple, but it really really works, and it's amazing how well it does work. All right. So, uh, who wants to lead? You want to lead? You want me to lead? Doesn't matter. Uh, uh I could lead. That's all right. Okay, that's I fine. Did that. Yeah. Um, one of the first things uh, right off the bat. Well, first of all, yeah. I mean, we were talking about in in the, in the realm of blob. Uh, films. There's really not a ton when you th- sit down and think about it, uh, and certainly not before this. I mean, there was um, the Quatermass experiment in '53. There was X the Unknown in '56, uh, which is kind of like an unofficial uh, Quatermass movie. And then there's the Blob in '58. Uh, I can't think of too many before that, no. uh, if any. Um, and then even after that, there's really not a ton of them uh, that come swinging around. So you know, to have this come out as the what the fourth blob movie uh made overall uh or blob like monster made overall uh is is pretty impressive and that's not to say that it's not um derivative of the other ones but it certainly has it it certainly is unique enough uh in its style uh to uh to you know kind of stand apart from the uh, from the other ones and i I, you know it's kind of it's interesting in that capacity especially considering uh where italian cinema was at the at that moment in time, you know, being really hard on the uh, the neo realism and all that sort of thing. Right. Um, but one of the the great things that you notice right from the be- right from the beginning is that uh, you know Bava, who I believe did the special effects on this, well, credit as being the special effects guy only, uh, but uh, he makes great use of uh, of miniatures and mats yes. uh, in the opening with the with the uh, the Mayan ruins mm-hmm. and. Um, not all of the miniatures work in the film. Uh, some of them get a little kind of sub Toho esque uh, towards the end, but from the in the beginning, yeah. uh, at yeah. least it's you know it, it looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the, the truck with gasoline is the most uh, the truck they drive into the uh, Caltiki monster before they head back to the United States or where they're supposed to be based. That's probably <laughs> the most uh, glaring miniature. Well, uh, the the tanks. <laughs> Yeah, uh, at, the, at the at the end are yeah. kind of yeah they're <laughs> they're a little GI Joe esque yeah they are you're right. <laughs> a little a little stomper four by four kind of action going they almost on. look like those firework tanks you can buy made of cardboard <laughs> <laughs> just spraying out sparkler yeah. shit at the end of it <laughs> made of cardboard now I, mean, I think when I was a kid they were made of some like cheap plastic and of course they don't want kids to inhale that burning plastic but <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but they used to not care about that. Yeah, they used to not care about that. Right. Nah. <laughs> uh, but one of the things, I mean, when you get back to, around to uh, when you look at um, blob movies and blob monster, the blob as a monster, is that the thing that separates this one apart, and one of the things that I really like about it is that Kaltiki is posited as being kind of an ancient uh, god 
Um, and you know, it kind of touches on that whole Lovecraft thing. Uh, it's not scientific or alien, even when they bring science into the film. Uh, a little bit later, because obviously, you know, you always have to have a little bit of radioactivity when you talk about monsters in the in the fifties. Um, it it really, you know, it still kind of sticks to its guns that this is, you know, something beyond, or a little bit, certainly more ancient than uh, simply being, uh, you know, something that was irradiated. And it never really, it never completely uh, explains the the source of uh, of Kaltiki. And I like that. I like that. It's one of the things that that you know really. Works very very well, uh, and yeah, that's all I got about that one. Yeah, because um, it really kind of just jumps right into it, right? It jumps. Oh yeah, pretty much right into it. You you open with uh, some basic uh, narration of where you are, some yep. type of little kind of overview of uh, some legends, and next thing you know, we got somebody who almost looks like Mario Bava, the actor, and uh, while running around and back to the the campsite and. <laughs> it's fun in Italian. He's like Kaltiki, Kaltiki. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Um, let's see. Freda used the uh, Robert Hampton pseudonym on this one, which yeah. I think he used on a few movies. Uh, so you know, you got that wonderful little Italian tradition of using uh, just kind of bland American-sounding names. Uh, which is uh, my understanding is when they used to do that, it was more for the uh, it was more to fool the Italian audiences into going to see these things than it was to fool the uh, the American audiences into going to see these things because the uh, you know the Italians always wanted to see uh, movies from abroad and in, uh, in America. Mm-hmm. I don't know how true that is, but I heard that once a long time ago. So yeah, uh, just a little point. Um, when the uh, you get some great the backlighting and smoke. Uh, as that uh, the one guy enters the cave, the professor, uh, and it's just pure. I mean, that's straight up, uh, you know, Freda and Bava, um, more Bava, I think, uh, in black and white. And you get tons of atmosphere going on here with the snake crawling through the skull and everything else. And that's one of the things. Another, well, I should say another thing that uh, that distinguishes this uh, more primarily than. Uh, than anything else is that it's you know it's kind of a modern gothic horror mm-hmm. yeah. uh like the classic universals are yeah 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 um and it's really yeah i mean this sticks to it uh it, it's just great stuff and i don't know if if this occurred to you while you were watching it especially in the beginning when they're in the ruins but uh some of the shots of the um the sculptures in that in the cave uh, i was watching it and the way that the shadows and everything else are i immediately thought of uh, mike mignola and the way that he draws, he'll do like little um, kind of interstitial panels yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. of just like a carving of something. Yeah. And I immediately thought of that when I was uh, watching this. So I don't know if uh, I, I'm sure uh, he's seen uh, Kaltiki and, and stuff like that. And I was just wondering if uh, possibly this was a, an influence on him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite possible. I, could, I didn't think about it at the time, but having hearing you saying it, mm-hmm. yeah, I totally see Mignola in uh, – and a lot of the panels here. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's tons of it. Um, it is much DD's- more atmospheric. I should say to kind of add to what you say. I mean, uh, the difference between this and like the Blob and and some of the other things. I mean, this is where that Italian kind of inspiration kind of hits it, right? I mean, it yes, it has those moments uh, similar to like Planet of the Vampires or something, where that's a sci-fi movie slash horror movie. Uh, there's just much more atmosphere. The Italians are really good. We're really good and. Uh, I can't. I don't really know about now because I don't watch much modern Italian films. But uh, giving you a lot of production 
uh, budget, basically, with very little. Mm-hmm. And it's very impressive. Uh, and there is a lot of moments in the beginning that reminded me of some of the stuff he would later do and pretty soon after this with Planet of the Vampires and things. A lot of walking through smoke, walking around oh, yeah. rocks. Very cheap, but very simple tricks, camera tricks, with, you know, matte paintings and all these things. All these things are very simple and very cheap, and Baba was probably one of the, the well, he easily was one of the first masters of using these cheap kind of cham- camera trick, camera, camera, <laughs> camera, the immortal monster. Imposter uh, immortal. <laughs> yeah. Chamra Motali, <laughs> immortal Chamra. No, the uh, uh, he was really one of the masters of using. Uh, when we talked about when we reviewed uh, Danger Diabolic a long time ago, we talked about how much he could stretch things. And obviously, if you know what you're looking for, you see a matte painting, and you see the tricks immediately because this is old. St- this is old school movie making. But mm-hmm. man, it still really works. I mean, this thing really holds up. I mean, outside of the acting, this thing really holds up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and speaking of acting, uh, Dee Dee Sullivan then shows up as the wife of our protagonist, um, and her name's Ellen. And I know this is probably the piggish, the most piggish thing that I'm going to say, uh, but she is very noticeably brawless. Uh, very noticeably. Um, yes. I don't know if that's a Blu-ray thing or if uh, that was the way it was when it was released, but. Yeah. I don't know, but I'm thankful. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I will be perfectly 100 percent honest about it. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was the only. I'm glad I wasn't the only one. I made a note as well. I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, I hate to hate to be so uh, male and so piggish about a review, but uh, <laughs> come on, you can't. You can't. <laughs> that immediately it, it, it stands kind of, out. It kind of stands out, <laughs> yeah. as it were. I was thinking she came. She just walked out of a wet T-shirt contest. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like white, white is nothing to wear in the jungle to begin with. I don't think, but then you know, to do it without any kind of um, uh, support system. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, you buy your tickets and you take your chance. And it's just one. Uh, it's just one of many moments I thought while watching this that, man, this is you know, nineteen fifty nine, nineteen sixty. Yep. Uh, this is really kind of pushing buttons already. I mean, oh yeah, those 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 showing up. <laughs> <laughs> those two guys those two things showing up and then um <laughs> and then uh you know what's to follow with uh-huh. some of the close-ups and things like that i don't remember my you know i grew up watching universal horror films and black and white horror films on tv um uh, i never saw Kaltiki, so this is actually the first time i've ever seen it and um i'd always heard about it and stuff so i'm just you know if i'd have seen this as a kid uh, it might have scarred me a little bit because there's some pretty intense moments and some pretty hypersexual moments, really, mm-hmm. for such an early horror film. Yeah, no, it, it's straight up. I mean, that really kind of betrays its uh, its origin mm-hmm. uh, is those elements. Um, but it, it's also very straightforward in uh, in its characters, its story, its dialogue. Uh, but it's also, I think, you know, pretty compelling all the way through. It, it gets the job done. Yeah. Um, you know, you get uh, you get Bob, who's played by uh, Daniele Vargas. Uh, he's the big fat beefcakey guy. Yes. You know, who's always kind of walking around with the the pants pulled up to his fucking chest, and he's you know kind of going around. He's the guy who uh, who goes scuba diving uh, yeah. in the uh, the little lake there. Yeah. Um, and then you get the uh, the Mexican girl who was played by Linda. Oh uh, no, I'm sorry. Her character was Linda. Uh, she was played by Daniela Roca. Um, and I find it kind of interesting that. You know, she doesn't believe in rituals, uh, but if uh, if 
Bob joins in on it, uh, it's going to bring bad, bad luck. It gives you that sort of rational, irrational yeah. uh, sort of thing going on there. Yeah. Uh, and the interesting thing about uh, Linda as a character is that, you know, she kind of has this sordid past. I believe she was – it's kind of hinted at, if not stated directly, that uh, she may have been a, uh, a prostitute at one point in time. Yeah. Uh, but she's also – and probably this is the bigger sin. She's also a half breed, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this really, you know, that's kind of like the big thing that she carries around with her the whole movie is, oh, Max doesn't like me because I'm a half breed. Oh, yeah. that sort of that sort of stuff. And um, he likes her just. Is, he likes her just enough. Yeah, he likes her just dirty enough. Yeah. Um, and that's where the character of Max comes in, who's kind of the uh, the secondary antagonist or contagonist or whatever if you'd like yeah. uh, because he's uh, he's kind of horny for every woman in the movie uh, <laughs> yeah. at some point or another yeah pretty much yeah. and considering there's only two of them uh, yeah he's you know he, he goes right up to Ellen after hearing uh, her have a little fight with her husband and you know he just completely tells her pretty much straight up hey if you ever want to go sometime, you know, yeah. me and you. Whenever you want to leave um, me, I'm here to comfort you, essentially. Which is about, that's about the skankiest thing you could probably do. Yeah, what a, uh, what a, yeah, what a shitty thing to do. That's what I was yeah, thinking. Right? I was like, what an asshole. But, you know. Yeah. But Linda then, sticks around. Yeah, them, but right? they're making his character out to be that character, right? I mean, they, they're setting him up for oh my God, yeah. the rest of the film. And mm-hmm. we should say also, you know, that this film, that it keeps everything very minimalist because uh, it's only 76 minutes long. It's a short film, so. Yep. Yeah, all the characters are very much cardboard cut out. To going back to the uh, the uh, the very masculine uh, Vargas character, Bob, mm-hmm. uh, he, he has one of the great moments when he gets caught filming the uh, <laughs> filming oh, yeah. the ritual, which again is very very risque for the time. The ritual is very yeah. uh, the lady doing the dancing is very uh, yes very scantily well, I, clad. But I'm not I'm not too sure that it's authentically Mayan. Yeah, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean th- this movie. This movie flings around uh, Mayan and Mexican and Caribbean and African, like all just pushed into one big group. It's just yeah. because you know. Yeah. It, 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 let's put it this way: not Italian yeah. would probably be a better way to describe. Yeah. Uh, like everybody most, who like most Italian films, politically incorrect is what this <laughs> film is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, go, you just they 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 heard about a story about something. They're like, yeah, just put somebody in there with a little color on their skin, and uh, yeah, that's we'll, all you need. We'll call them Mayan, uh, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> hey, well, this one, this person's Italian. Ah, we'll just paint them up a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it, it's a product of its time, right? So it's uh, yeah. it kind of reminds me of the uh, the voodoo films of the fifties, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the kind of Haitian voodoo films, <laughs> mm-hmm. which would always kind of you know nowadays would. Uh, Stick out like a sore thumb as far as political correctness goes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, we, go, to go back, the Bob gets called. He's kind of like, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, he just kind of walks away. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's like he got caught beating off in the bushes. Yeah, it's like, I know. Ooh. I know. That's what it looks <laughs> like. It's like he has that one little moment. It's just a little moment, dude. It's just hilarious. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Vargas, he uh, he was in. Um, I'd seen him in uh, Spaghetti Westerns. He he yeah. pops up in Spaghetti Westerns every now and then. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you He's know been around about, a while. Yeah, if you know about uh, you know Italian films, obviously, if you've watched any Italian films, you've seen him in quite a few things. Uh, Italian horror films, Italian westerns. He pretty much covered all genres. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Yeah, well, the whole system there over there. Uh, you know, everybody kind of did whatever they had to do. I think I saw um, him in a Italian Zorro film. Before, 
Yeah, there's those too. If you don't, I'm know. intrigued by this now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, there's a few of those. You get uh, you get John, who's the uh, the intrepid uh, hero, uh, and he's also a complete milk toast panty waste, uh, but he's resourceful. Um, and I don't remember uh, John. Let me see. Uh, was uh, played by John Maravale, and yeah, he doesn't really strike you as being all that much of a um, a great protagonist like we've yeah. been saying he's, he's pretty much he's cardboard he's even he's probably the most cardboard yeah. person he's the secondary wet blanket cast in the film <laughs> yeah right besides the stripe <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. i mean he's he's serviceable uh yeah. very stoic and that's about it yeah right. very stoic very uh essentially you know got leading man looks mm-hmm. um but he's he's not real interesting uh, I mean, no. Mac, Gerard Gerard Hunter or Hunter, however you say his name, the guy that plays Max, he really goes for it. Like you know, he especially once he gets attacked by a Kaltiki, yeah, uh, he really goes for it performance wise. I mean, he really <laughs> oh, very, he Kinski's it, yeah, yeah, he Kinski's it up big time. Uh, so he's kind of fun, and even though his character shit, uh, he he's, a, he's he's fun to have on screen. And, and the film for me kind of is dead when he's not around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, no, yeah. I mean, it's a good movie. I, I'm not going to say it's not. My score will reflect that, but I feel like the problem is I never really could get behind the uh, John Fielding character. He was almost too professorly, too uh, too milk toast. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, he really is just kind of um, a big old cipher. He just kind yep. of is the guy who's going to fix the problem uh, and kind of have this little this little ridiculous melodramatic uh pauses uh throughout the movie because he feels so guilty about this that and the other thing but you know he's, he's you don't really give much of a shit about him um you and you know the scenes with him are really only memorable uh because you know dd sullivan will show up every now and again yeah yeah he's, he's um, just there to move the plot along essentially oh my god yeah, yeah and, and to carry Kaltiki pieces around <laughs> <laughs> yes chunks of Kaltiki. chunks of tripe, um, which couldn't have smelled good new uh but as soon as the as soon as treasure's found uh down in the uh, the ruins you know science tends to go out the window um <laughs> as it does in these things right you know everybody sees a little bit of gold and silver and you know suddenly it's well, uh yeah and then some, they, of course they all some, turn into daffy duck right yeah yeah and some of the uh, ignorance right i mean there's radiation in there Ooh, there must be treasure let's dive into the radiated pool yeah bob's a little too eager yeah. <laughs> to get into a, a pool of radiated water yeah <laughs> That the first thing I'd want to jump into. New. I had some, uh, uh, even though it's not as graceful, Bob. Uh, and I think it, there might be some of that might. Well, I can't tell. Some of it looked like it might have been a little miniature man they were dropping in the water. And some of it uh, looked real. No, I don't think so. I, that, well, that over top view looked like a like a fake like figure, but I, I don't. I, I'm not, I wasn't 100 percent positive. But either way, those two sets tied together badly, like the <laughs> the the. the the underwater shots and the the pool of water he goes into. I mean, you yes. can, you can buy it, right? But I mean, it it's tied together badly. But there was some gracefulness, I thought, to to Bob's uh, treasure hunt, and I liked, and I liked the way it was lit. It was lit really nicely. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, it was it really felt like Italian horror films, like uh, Fulci stuff and stuff, where you you're basically in this wasteland, then you see some skulls and some some rib cages and things, and Bob's done. Well, just, it's still kind of using a, a bit of the the smoke trick. It's just doing yeah, it underwater. Yeah. And Bob's just tearing these skulls and stuff apart. He's just doing anything oh, he God, can yeah. to get this stuff off of these things. He's <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, maybe it's the OCD in me, but he's also skipping over items. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, right? You're like, dude, man, come on. There's all this shit here. Yeah. 
<laughs> so what are you um, just grabbing the things you can, I guess. <laughs> but you know, the sack's only so big, right? Yeah. Um, That's what she said. It, <laughs> I was just going to say. Um, but you really have to wonder, uh, you know, once they go for the treasure uh, and things start to happen, you have to you really, you really have to kind of wonder whether any of this would have happened had they left Kaltiki's uh Kaltiki's treasure alone. Yeah, um, is one of those kind of questions that comes up because that's when the, when you first see the uh, the monster, um, and you know you could lo- you really could look at it you know either way you could look at it as just being well they walked into a lion's den and woke something up or you could look at it as they um, kind of desecrated this god's temple uh, and now it wants to you know pretty much eat them. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the beauty of the film is, you know, it really could go, it really could go either way. Um, and then, you know, once Bob goes into the lake, that's when we start to see the turn that, you know, for how gruesome this movie is going to get, uh, because there are some scenes of just skin peeling off, yeah. uh, in the movie that are, are, are just so fucking nasty. Yeah. They're pretty, uh, they're pretty nasty. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And further, and absolutely. Like we've been saying further time. I mean, if you if I was a kid uh, watching this, yeah, I, I probably would have been kind of a little bit freaked out by this because yeah. I mean, you, they show it to you. They show you the, the yeah. you know the the stuff peeling off and that 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 stringy kind of muddy. Uh, I guess it would have been. I was it's supposed to be blood or uh, you know gravy or whatever, but yeah, in true, uh, you in know, true Italian they, fashion, they show you. You know, they show you what you get, right? They show you. Oh, the they amplifier. linger. They linger on it. They kind of, you know, get right up close to it. Yep. Yep. Uh, and there's that. There's a there's a hand that uh, that gets you know skinned. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty nasty. Yeah, that's pretty gross. Um, there's the there's a scene later where a character's consumed by Kaltiki that is not only gross but the sound of him being muffled and eaten alive is it kind of adds to the nastiness of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of disturbing in that way. Yeah, it is. I mean, it really. I was surprised, and it, of course, it, it threw back memories to the uh, the raft scene, uh, which I don't think I was on that show, mm. Creep Show no. Two. Yeah, uh, Creep Show Two. Yeah, I, I watched the film but couldn't make the show. Mm-hmm. But it threw back memories of me to that. Um, uh, yeah, obviously. I mean, this is just like the the darker version of Steve McQueen's uh, Blob film, uh, which had moments that kind of freaked me out as a kid. And I saw that when I was a kid. I did see that film when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of freaky, right? They used some reverse shots and stuff to get the blob to attach on stuff. And mm-hmm. the idea of being consumed by this gelatinous mass was, ugh. you know, if you're claustrophobic and stuff and everything else, it just kind of freaks you out. But this takes it that one notch further, as typical Italian genre films tended to do well into the uh, 80s, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's not just going to smother you. It's going to actually, you actually get to see. Yeah, and this yeah. is where the you know the, later on when Chuck Russell did the remake of the Blob, you know, it gets a little more yep. more Caltiki esque. It's going to look like, um, uh, and when the Caltiki comes through, it's going to look somebody like somebody had some beer and wings, <laughs> and the bones are left over when he gets done with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Caltiki, the sports bar monster. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pretty good game, man. But Caltiki's destroying them wings over there. Just see, yeah, he's one of those guys who just shoves the whole wig in his mouth and just pulls out a fucking naked bone. Yeah, yeah. that's what it uh, feels like. And, and the whole time I'm thinking, you know, because I read on the IMD on IMD on the IMDb. Listen, I sound like an old man. I read on the, I read on the old IMDb. <laughs> I was on that their internet there. and uh, that it was tripe. I'm sitting there thinking, ugh, 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, Tripe just all by itself is bad, but then you know <laughs> when you think about the hot lights and everything else, yeah, oh. the painted the matte paint black paint on it and stuff. I'm just thinking, uh-huh. and you know, knowing early filmmaking and stuff, the Tripe probably got a little rank after a while. Yeah, it did not take long. (laughs) It it wouldn't take long. And, uh, you know, you're sitting there thinking, oh, they're rubbing it all over this poor guy's face. (laughs) (laughs) Hope they got fresh tripe for that. No. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, oh. get a little of that in your mouth. Oh, (laughs) so gross. (laughs) It really is. Um, Yeah, I think my my throat closed up a little bit there. It makes me think about that slug in the salad from slugs when we talked about it, remember? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It does actually. Uh, there's uh, you, and then you get the uh, the space age laboratory uh, scene. Yes, bringing that home, uh, and that thing is yeah, that's as functional as functional gets. It's just you know some cardboard kind of or plywood uh, kind of uh, cabinets with a, a few lights in it, and that's you know the future of of science, I guess. Uh, but the guy, the interesting thing here is that. I would have sworn up and down that that was Vic, uh, Vittorio Gassman as the lab assistant, but it's actually Giacomo Rossi Stewart. Uh, and those guys just look amazingly similar to me. Yeah. Uh, just a little a, a little observational point, because the, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, man, is that Gassman? I never realized he was in this, blah, blah, blah. And then I went back and looked, and I was like, no, it's just that other guy. It's funny, it? fu- it's funny that a good portion of the people actually, you know, that I mentioned the Zorro, Italian Zorro films to you earlier, and you were like, oh. It's funny that if you look through the filmographies of most of the actors in this, they almost all did pretty much did a Zorro movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, uh, that doesn't really surprise me, seeing as how it would have been around that time. So, yeah. you know, they would just kind of do their little their little throw them and, uh, you know, everybody gets a turn kind of thing yeah. that Italian cinema would do. Um, let's see here. This is uh, this movie was made back when you could uh, take a live unknown specimen home to your uh, unsecured laboratory. Yeah. Um, and just throw it in a glass tank and just put a glass lid on it. And, yeah. you know, that's that's safe enough. Although he does he does warn his daughter, stay out of the, stay out of the he study. Does, he does tell her. And we all know how that works with kids. Yes. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh, yeah. what what do you do? Oh, okay, okay, I'm going to go do this. Um, Let's see. Well, you know, all kids want to play with a, a big hunk of tripe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> You know what? Back when I was a kid, I probably would have. Yeah, you know, to be I'm, perfectly I'm, honest. Yeah, I probably would have. Out of curiosity, I probably would have. I would have man- sat, sat there like trying to squish it through my fingers and shit, like just yeah. being gross. Yeah. <laughs> Until it started to smell gamey. Oh uh, yeah, and as soon as that, yeah, that smell hits you, it was like, oh. <laughs> or as soon then as all of a sudden, it's not fun anymore. Yeah, so as soon as somebody tells you what it is, then you might be like, <laughs> 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 um, let's see here. To do. do. Uh, yes, uh, a certain character becomes a, uh, disfigured lunatic, uh, and, uh, you know, a certain woman sticks around with him, um, yep. Yep. which, you know, is just one of those things. It, it plays into the, the melodrama, uh, because the whole film is, you know, it's melodramatic and it's, it's development. Yeah. Uh, well, I love all the tropes of the movie, right? I mean, yeah, I often on this show over the years have talked about some of my favorite genre tropes. So one of my favorites is the rolling newspaper machines. Uh, uh, that one pops up in here i love the uh the really quick out of nowhere criminal photographer (laughs) and he's in here yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean yeah they come in everybody's just touching the evidence like crazy and then the criminal photographer comes in snaps a couple shots (laughs) yeah it's like whoa i think he got it ass backwards there but uh, (laughs) um it's pretty it's pretty funny to me the some of the tropes and stuff i mean obviously back then Nobody saw that coming, right? I mean, that that stuff became movie language after a while, and then it becomes fun to 
to go back and kind of harp on that and laugh about it. But I love that stuff. I've always loved the newspaper machines in particular because they're right. It moves uh, the story ahead in a very Mm -hmm. simple way. Mm -hmm. It's It's a shorthand. It's like a comic book trope almost really. And it works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the, yeah, it's the it's the filmic equivalent of the uh, meanwhile yeah. uh, panel. <laughs> yeah, the meanwhile panel. That's right. <laughs> um, oh yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, let's see where this. But yeah, the uh, it, the melodramatic aspects are really what keep the, this thing floating along. Uh, keeps the uh, the tension up. It keeps the interest up because you know these are the things that. Um, I mean, watching a blob do a blob thing is really not as compelling as uh, as watching these people you know kind of go a little bit nutsy cuckoo and uh, and do their their weird little sorted kind of uh of things um it's kind of like how you know I, I guess it must be hard to write a blob movie in the same way that it's kind of hard to write a superman uh story yeah. because there's just you know it's like what are you going to threaten him with well yeah. you, you got to figure it out you got to go a little bit different route uh and so this is the way they went with this one um Radioactivity does make its way into the plot, uh, but of course it's uh, you know it's me it's well I I wrote it as meteor shit, um, yeah. so uh, you know we get you, you, they're still sticking to that you know it, you know science yes but uh, could be an ancient god still um, yeah. that's kind of what uh, Kaltiki resembles is uh, quote unquote meteor shit meteor shit yeah it really does <laughs> Kaltiki a monster meteor shit. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see a Kaltiki versus Jordy Verrill movie. Oh, yeah. Now that would be interesting. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. You get the the score um, is loaded with uh, not only traditional kind of orchestration. It's got a lot of organ in it. Yes. And it's got a lot of uh, sci-fi sounds. Yeah. Just needed a little bit, more, little bit more theremin, and we'd have been all all in, right? Yeah, right. It, it, yeah, it just really it, it really goes goes across the board. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's it's effective enough, and and you know it kind of also plays into that that uh, modern gothic sort of uh, flavor uh, that the film really kind of you know clings to. Yeah. Um, I think I think the real the real key to the film totally is the talent involved, right? I mean, this is mm-hmm. a very simple B movie, and uh, because you have Bava, who's a visual. Uh, "Quote unquote master," depending on your taste. When it comes to Baba, what mm-hmm. you can't deny is the guy had major talent when it comes to visuals and stuff, and it it comes through. And of course, Freda was a, considered one of the great Italian directors, uh, genre directors as well. And and so it just it kind of just all shines through uh, with even this kind of rudimentary, very simple uh, B movie material. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I think always kind of show. I think when it comes down to B movies. You know, of course, all the great directors that we consider great, a lot of them don't, you know, a lot, a lot of directors don't just pop on the scene with a what with a big, dramatic, uh, Oscar-winning picture. Sure, that happens every now and then. Yeah, very rarely are they fully formed. Yeah, but most of them usually come out of genre and B-movies and stuff, and that's usually where you can start to see the talent. And with Bava, uh, I think people, everybody that worked with him uh, through the 50s and stuff like that, they saw his talent, and I think that's why Freda kind of pushed him uh, with this movie is because, like, I think everybody that worked with him said, man, you should be making movies, not working on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was because of his visual kind of expertise because uh, this film, for all intents and purposes, is nothing more than a B-movie sci-fi monster blob film. And uh, yet it, it, c- it carries all this atmosphere. 
Uh, the story is very is very rote. I mean, it's not, nothing fancy there, but no. uh, the visuals uh, really kind of take it over the edge. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, once you, you get towards the end of the movie, it really has some nice cross-cutting, uh, builds a lot of nice tension. Um, and that primarily comes between, you know, the the two, you know, the Kaltiki on one end and, uh, and Max on the other. Um, but there's a scene where <laughs> I kind of got a kick out of this one. Uh, you know, Linda's walking around with about four sandwiches for herself because she can't sleep. And Ellen doesn't think at all to question this. Like, are you hungry much? You know, it's, it's kind of that... <laughs> that weird little thing that just you know occurs to you. She's dagwooden sandwiches around the fucking villa, yeah. uh, and it's just like you know nobody thinks to stop and and just you know kind of question that. Yeah, you know when you're hungry, you're hungry, right? I, and listen, hey, we've all had you know moments. We have to you know kind of stress eat or whatever. I get it, but <laughs> Linda was curvy. I could see uh, you know. Oh my her, god, yeah. She's a bit of a sandwich fan. <laughs> she likes her carbs. <laughs> yeah, she loves she little loading up a little bit, but uh, you know. Yeah, that's uh-huh. okay. <laughs> I'm I'm pro this. Yeah, um, I'm pro. So. Yeah, we're pro sandwich here at the GGC. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, just the kind in bed, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, just one of those the, like little things. It just occurs to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kaltiki can destroy the world, uh, but she's really focused on this one villa. Yeah. Uh, it's just, and obviously that's, you know, kind of just a little shot at it. Obviously that's because of, uh, uh, budgetary constraints. Uh, but it's just kind of an interesting point. And, uh, you know, one of the other things then is that, you know, John can only really take Ellen away from all this, uh, after his journey has ended in death and destruction. Um, you know, that's kind of Ellen's mantra. The whole movie is kind of like, uh, you know, let's go away, let's go away, let's go away. And John's like, no, I have to solve this. I have to save this guy. No, I have to solve it for this guy. No, I have to, I have to fix this for that guy. But really, he's just kind of like steering this car towards uh, the uh, proverbial guardrail uh, at the cliff there. Uh, and once it goes over, is when he can finally be like, okay, now everything's done. We can leave. <laughs> Um, and that's you know that, that's pretty much you know all, all you can really say about it. But the movie's good. Um, you know it does sag a little bit in the middle because you know it relies a little bit too much on the on the melodrama and it uh, it, it kind of the pace kind of dies down. Uh, but for seventy six minutes, it, you know it, it moves fairly well enough, and it, you know it's got enough little moments that are surprising uh, for their placement in in uh, in the history of film. Um, to really kind of make it stand out. And, uh, you know, as far as blob movies go, I, I really like this one. So, uh, that, that's all I got. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add. No. Yeah. I got a few things. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm this is one of those ones where I'm glad, you know, labels like arrow bring them back. Um, because mm-hmm. you know, the blobs been released several times, uh, X, the unknown, all those things that you mentioned earlier, all those films you, you can access, but Caltiki's kind of one that disappeared, for a long time, mm-hmm. so it's really nice for it to get a generally solid release like this. And this is what the fun thing about genre labels like uh, Arrow and, and you know these other ones we talk about, Blue Underground and all these other labels and stuff. One of the great things about them is, is they're preserving these these um, less than glamorous films uh, for film history to hang on to them and stuff. And this one looks pretty good. I mean, it doesn't uh, not a lot of scratches or anything. It looks really nice. Uh, the picture comes off really well, which is, you know, great because of the lighting and stuff. This does have another trope in it I didn't mention, but I always like <laughs> the Italians did this. Of course, I think all film cultures are guilty of this because it's a major shortcut for exposition and, and cost and stuff. But whenever you go back and look at film footage that somebody else shot, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It always seems edited and uh, was shot with a very steady hand. In this case, <laughs> it's shot by a Mayan Indian or uh, a quote unquote Mayan Indian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the first couple shots, man, he's really got a steady hand. He may even have a dolly. Uh, he might have. <laughs> yeah. He brought one along, I think. He had a, a unit that with he him. made it that he made in his ute in his yurt. You know. Yeah. Uh, later on, there's some shaky cam stuff, and from what I understand, this is actually some of the earliest shaky cam stuff. Uh, yeah, history, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and speaking of and speaking of uh, found footage kind of stuff, you know, it's kind of interesting because uh, this kind of is an early uh, uh, early example, kind of of, of the uh, the influence of it coming in there. And also, uh, yeah, the Quatermass uh, experiment was one of the early ones too, because there's a scene in that where they uh, they have they pull the camera out of a, a rocket that they got back and they you know, play it back. And so you get to see the, what was happening on the ship while they were up in space. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool to see. I mean, a lot of these things we take for granted now in film language, but, um, before, um, when you go back and look at these old versions of it and stuff, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, and you wouldn't, obviously you probably wouldn't know this unless you, um, are a bit of a film historian or whatever, or somebody that looks for things like that or, or listens to commentary tracks or, watches bonus features or something like that. That's probably the only way you would probably know some of this stuff. But it's fun as, you know, film fans, and I'm sure most people that listen to the show are film fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's fun to go back and to see that kind of stuff kind of peeking through. And the Baba was kind of on the uh, the kind of, uh, you know, the very, he's one of the catalysts for that kind of behavior in film. It's kind of very interesting, mm-hmm. especially for him because he's such a controlled camera kind of guy with mad paintings and, and things like that. So, yeah. Well, you have to have it locked down for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just on the on the uh, technical end of it. Yeah. Um, like I said, like we talked about the gore and uh, you know the kind of cheesiness of the sci-fi elements of the film, which is kind of normal for the genre. But yeah, outside of that, man, I mean, I think the film looks really great. I mean, it wasn't shot in in, uh, in Mexico or anything. All that stuff's built or painted. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it, from what I understand, is even stuff cut out of like National Geographic magazines and put on glass. Oh, that, that, that I did not realize. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'd read that uh, they had taken some of those stone sculptures you see, not the ones that when they're down underground, because I think that's a set. Mm-hmm. But some of the stuff you see on the outdoors and stuff when they're walking, there's a mat there. And what they did was they just they pasted the statues onto the camera lens or onto the screen. <laughs> and, they, they, I mean, they look legit. I mean, the way they're on there oh, and yeah. stuff, they look legit. And it's pretty amazing what uh, what you can do. Uh, and that's where, you know, like I said, I think a lot of people love Bava because he gave him so much production value on the cheap. I think that's why people pushed him into direction so much is because it's like, dude, you know, you're you're making these movies look like, uh, you know, they cost a million more dollars than they actually do. Mm-hmm. Of course, nowadays, like I said, they look kind of uh, phony in some ways now. But if you go back and look at films of this era, a lot of them don't have this production value. So. No, and even I mean, and you, this would easily uh, stand side by side against anything made in Hollywood at the time. Yeah, I think. I think so too. I mean, I, I think it's better looking than uh, the X film and even the Blob. I think the Blob, you know, as, as much as it's kind of fun with Technicolor and, of course, Steve McQueen being a you know thirty year old teenager and all the <laughs> things we talk about with the Blob mm-hmm. uh, and kind of the cheesiness of the Blob. Uh, this film obviously is much more atmospheric, much more horror film esque. Uh, really, really works. Um, I don't know if I like it more than the Blob. I, I like the Blob for a lot of reasons. I think I like this one a little bit more. To yeah. be perfectly honest, yeah. 
mostly if I if I if I probably if it's it's really close, but if I did like the blob more, it would probably only be because of the the sheer curiosity of it being a Steve McQueen movie before mm-hmm. before he was Steve McQueen and uh kind of the cheesiness of it. Uh and basically how influential the the blob coming out of the movie theater and stuff like that and that stuff's so influential, you know, and stuff that's kind of burned into my brain. But and then, of course, this is only the first time I've seen Kaltiki. But if if I had to say, if I had to sit down to watch one for entertainment value, I think Kaltiki's the more entertaining movie. Surely, I mean, yes. it, it definitely is. I mean, it's 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 shorter and it's it gets to the point and it's much more where I want to be as a film fan now. It's much more atmospheric and and the acting is kind of like I said, it's cheesing, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. Did I say cheesing just now? I think you did, and I'm with you on that. Yeah, cheesing on my sandwich. Put it, put it on some crackers. Yeah, put some cheesing. Cheesing on your sandwich. <laughs> yeah, give it to Linda then. Give it to Linda. She put a nice little double decker. So cheesing oh, on my sandwich. Oh, that sounded dirty. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it did sound dirty. <laughs> isn't that a isn't that a uh, a toilet thing in John Waters? Uh, that's uh, an upper decker. <laughs> <laughs> that's the upper decker. <laughs> John Waters' dirty shame. For those who haven't seen it, they should check it out. We won't go into what an upper decker is here. <laughs> yes, let's not. <laughs> it only sort of has something to do with sandwiches. <laughs> Maybe the Kaltiki effect after eating a sandwich. Um, yes. But no, I, I mean, I had a lot of fun with the movie. I'd like to. I'm going to go back and watch the special features now that I got some time to do that. I'm going to go back and check those out because uh, yeah, they're really good. They're yeah. really informative. They're, they're not. They're not. There's not a ton of them, but they're yeah. they're, uh, they're very very informative, very illuminating. Well, but I know you know nobody probably knows more about Bava that I can think of than uh, Tim Lucas. So hmm? uh, his commentary tracks can sometimes be very. Uh, Dry? Yeah, because they're very professorly, right? You know, they, well, sure. he's giving you every bit of information he possibly can. They're very written, but yeah. they give you a lot of information. And I wish, you know, I wish there was more about other Italian directors, uh, quote unquote masters, if you want to say. I wish there was more commentary tracks about you know the other Italian filmmakers that we love so much that worked in genre sure. over the years. Bava seems to be the one that's uh, the most researched, maybe because he was the most influential on the. The whole uh, back end of the Italian film genre from the yeah. mid '60s on to the '80s. Yeah, well, it's kind of I, I, you know, I've, I've, and I doubt that I'm ever going to get around to this, but I've often toyed around with the idea of um, doing a book about the uh, the Italian special effects industry from way back when till, you know, till it started getting away from being so practical. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, it's a, it's just one of those things that, yeah, you know, like you were saying, I, I don't know, it's just something that occurred to me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they they, they did a lot. I mean, it, it comes, you know, when we started the show, Will and I often talked about Italian movies, and and you know, the show became very much a, uh, well, not I wouldn't say very much because I, I, you know, like any genre or any country, I'm sure we've covered all kinds, but we, we have done a lot of Italian films on this on this show, and. I think that comes from, you know, certainly from my generation, a lot of the ones I've picked. I mean, a lot of these Italian films, this one uh, is not a case, but similar. A lot of Italian films, you know, were released as some type of American dub. Mm -hmm. And in the early days of the video stores, when I would go to the video stores, I rented a lot of these Italian films. And, you know, as a kid, I didn't really know I was watching all these Italian movies. I thought I was watching just really cheap American movies. But as I got older, I kind of put two and two together and started figuring all that out. I mean, I even saw 
thought Super Fuzz was an American movie. I didn't know it was an Italian movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So you know, I didn't know all these things were Italian movies. I didn't, I didn't have any idea. So I, I kind of became enamored with the Italian uh, filmmaking business, um, especially the genre side of it because I loved the. I, I ended up loving the ripoffs more than I love the originals most times. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that, that's pretty much my taste in movies. My taste in movies sometimes is ne- is never really the 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 guy that created the uh, the genre. It's almost always the people who come along and and kind of uh, take bits and pieces of it and kind of you know essentially quote unquote steal. So that's why when filmmakers like Tarantino and Rodriguez and uh, even Scorsese and all these guys kind of came along, and these guys were making movies with the history of movies behind them. Uh, I think I was always kind of, you know, I was in my early 20s by the time Tarantino hit. Uh, I think I was enamored with those guys early because I was like, wow, well, that's me. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm that video store kid, right? I'm that same kid. I am, you know, as I'm not making movies, but I'm essentially, you know, we wouldn't be doing this podcast and we don't get paid to do this. Although I do want to, you know, as we're recording this, I want to thank people for donations. Uh, I know that it's going to be out of sequence and everything, but I'll, I'll mention that another thing. But I want to go ahead and thank them again. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I saw these video store kids making movies and I thought to myself, man, all the stuff they're kind of making, people are loving, but I've seen a lot of this stuff before. And, you know, I mean, obviously I knew, I knew that all the stuff was coming from Italian films and genre films and ripoffs, but, you know, of course, later on people would consider it stealing, but I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think there's any such thing as stealing. I think everybody kind of cribs from everybody. Unless you go well, back to the twenties, no, you know, well, go back to Fritz they, Lang and people like that. I think that they do. Uh, yeah, everybody cribs from from somebody else, but uh, I think that uh, certain times it's a little more yeah. uh, overtly blatant. Yeah, certainly. Let's say. Yeah, certainly, certainly, no doubt. But then I think Bob, you know, like Bob was one of the original guys. You know, kind of kicked that genre, kicked those uh, filmmakers into moving forward, and people were kind of riffing on Bob after that. And Argento was riffing on Hitchcock, and oh, Bob was hugely influential across the yep. the board for uh, for Italian cinema. Yep, and even American cinema, really. Absolutely. And, and yeah, was, once you get to stuff like uh, Twitch of the Death Nerve and all that, yeah. Yeah, and obviously, you know, what you said earlier, I didn't really put the Mignola thing to get together, but I mean, obviously. Baba films were out there, so there's no doubt in my mind. I agree with you that Mignola had seen this stuff, and a lot of his stuff obviously has a gothic atmosphere anyway. So yes. you know he plays with shadow a lot. Uh, yes. I know, I, know I, I used to pass Hellboy stuff off on people and say, "Man, you should check out this stuff." And people, say, man, I can't stand the art. And I'm like, "Yeah, well, that's that's kind of the point. The point is, is the art is the simplicity of the art is kind of what I think I like." <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. With him, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. He he does the the most. He's very Alex Tothian uh, yeah. in his uh, yeah. his minimalist um, realism sort yeah. of thing that yeah. he has going on. Yeah, I like that. It kind of plays well. Anyway, to get back on the point of Caltiki and not uh, going, I haven't podcast for a while. So as we're recording this, I should say I have not podcast for a while. So I'm kind of getting into some things here, but. Uh, I'll just get back to the movie. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much more to add. I mean, I, I think it's a great release. It's uh, it's an inexpensive Arrow release. You can get it pretty cheap. Um, mm-hmm. I saw it online some places for like 17 bucks. So it's definitely worth that price, and uh, I would definitely pick this up if I was anybody. So I'll kick it over to you for Make or Breaks, MBTs. All righty. Uh, make or Break for me is going to be Cal Tiki's first attack. Um, yeah. Like we said, it, it's startling, uh, and it's you know it's very very effective. Uh, it, it really kind of um, 
gives you everything you need, and it really sets the uh, the standard for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, MVT is going to be uh, Bava, uh, his use of uh, gothic style in a sci-fi setting. Um, and of course, that wouldn't be it. Wouldn't be the last time that he did this, of course. Uh, but him and Freda together uh, on this really kind of bring it and really um, do a lot with very very little. So you know you got to appreciate that. And the score for me is going to be seven out of ten. Like I said, it's not it's not the greatest Blob movie in the world for me. That would probably be uh, Son of Blob, uh, <laughs> aka Beware of Blob. Yeah, <laughs> believe but, it or not. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> but. Uh, um, yeah, this one is is really it's it's up there. It stands you know shoulder to shoulder with all the other ones, even though it's uh, I would argue probably the cheapest. Um, but uh, yeah, it just it, it uh, yeah man, it's got it. Wow, I just trailed. I just died off right there, didn't I? Uh, it's good stuff. I liked it. It's got, it. Chops. I liked it a lot. It's got it, chops, man. It, it's got the chops. <laughs> I got the mutts. <clears throat> so that's, that's all I got. I'll kick it over to you. So I think this might be a first for you and I reviewing a film, but I think we're, 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 I know we're dead on, actually, on all three categories of how we review films here. Uh, my MVT is also Bava. Um, he's all over this movie. Um, so I, I definitely would give him the MVT. Like Tripe. Yeah, yeah, he's all over this movie like Tripe. Like Tripe <laughs> on Max Gunther. Uh, or Gerard Gunther. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, uh, my Maker Break is also the first attack because it really, it comes maybe 12, 15 minutes into the movie, maybe. Yeah. Um, so it takes a little while to get there, but it, it's not bad because it's introducing all your characters before then. And uh, there's quite a few characters in the film. I mean, they, they get they get quite a few characters out of the way pretty quickly. And uh, my score is also a seven out of ten, so we're we're dead on on everything here. Nice. Um, yeah, it's it, it. I mean, I agree with you. This movie is is entertaining, and I also am a big fan of Son of Blub. So yeah, <laughs> it's uh you know I mean it uh, actually in some ways I probably would prefer Son of Blob over the original Blob. <laughs> uh, I do. Yeah, but you know, like like a lot of things, this what this kicks off in the Italian uh, filmmaking world is is critical uh, from this point forward. Uh, Italians got more involved in genre, and uh, we owe a lot to but never, them. Never quite the same way. Never, never quite yeah, the yeah. same subject matter. Yeah, I don't know if there's a whole lot. Of, I mean, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I haven't really looked into this, and I don't really know as much. But I, I don't know if there's a whole lot of these sci-fi Italian monster movie type deals. I don't know if there's a whole lot. I would assume there is. A, th- there's got to be at very least few a handful. That I'm aware of. Yeah, there's got to be a handful at least. There's because, this. There's like uh, Adam Age Vampire. Yeah. Uh, there's a few, but there's well, not tons. Planet of the Vampires is one, obviously. Planet of the Vampires, yeah. So there, there, there are a few, and I'm sure, but it's not a genre. I'm as it's not a a subsequent kind of a a derivative of that genre. It's 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 kind of a deeper dive. I've never really kind of dived into this genre but i'm not really a big uh as much as i'm a big movie buff i was never really a big um you know the adam age stuff i was never really huge on that stuff even growing up you know the the giant insect movies and you know stuff like that that stuff never really never really kind of caught on with me as much as other genres the good, one, the good ones are very good the yes. bad ones are very bad yeah yeah they're, they're they're pretty much the prototype for the bad ones are pretty much the prototype for the the bad horror movie of the 50s and 60s, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. It's, it's almost yeah. like the the derivative zombie movies that came out in the 90s, maybe, mm-hmm. before they started to kick it up again. But there's a lot of, you know, for every good zombie film, there's, yeah, there's, there's about more. Than, yeah, 
there's more than a hundred million of them that are bad because you know <laughs> obviously zombies are you know it's easy throw some makeup on somebody have somebody lumber around and yep you pretty much got a movie so uh the this is a different you know this is different it's not like grasshoppers walking on glass screens of cities or anything <laughs> <laughs> that's some of the best effects ever <laughs> yeah. bird eye gordon yeah, yeah. But you know, you, hey, sir. yeah, bless you. I mean, I agree. I mean, I love the cheesiness of it, but that's, even as a kid, that kind of drove me away. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I could understand that. Yeah, yeah. Even though I, you know, I love the sci-fi genre and I love the the idea of the Adam Age stuff, and I love the mm-hmm. everything that surrounds it, like you know, Joe Dante's matinee and things like that. I love the whole idea of it and the movie-going kids of the time and all that kind of stuff. It just if there's one of the old classic genres, I don't really get into. It's that one. Um, okay, that's our review of Kaltiki the Monster, the Immortal Monster, Matsu Matali. The Chamra. The Chamra Trike. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break and we'll be back after this. If you like westerns, comedies, foreign films, horror movies, action adventure, and classic cinema, well, we don't have much of that, but if you like ass, titties, farting, burping, puffy nipples, poop, taboo porn, muffin tops, comic books, wrestling, mustaches, pie smashed on butts, cheese, taking baths, butt sex, gagging, milk, and the American flag, check out the Silva and Gold podcast. We're the morons your mom warned you about while she was sitting on your face. Silva and Gold. We talk about movies and shit. Find us on iTunes or silverandgold.com. is the ghoul uh this is from 2016 so this is a newer kind of contemporary film arrow put out uh i don't think they've done this very much 
Um, uh, they've been they've been uh, increasing it a bit. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is part of their Arrow Academy line. Uh, uh, I do believe, yeah. Yeah, you know, Arrow Films or whatever they call it. Uh, well, yeah, it's Arrow Films is the is the more Arrow Films is the more genre kind of campy stuff, and the Arrow Academy stuff is a little yeah. bit more. That's right. Highbrow and uh, and some uh, some older classics like the the apartment things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is again another weird release, but hey, I'm glad it's happening, right? So, oh yeah. If we can always have more films put out with special editions, I'm always happy. Yes. Um, so this is directed by Gareth Tunley. I believe it's executive produced maybe by Ben Wheatley. I do believe so. Yes. So it's got some genre cred to it. Uh, I think Gareth Tunley's an actor. I think he's worked in some Ben Wheatley films. Anyway. We'll kind of get into that. Uh, basic plot synopsis. A homicide detective goes undercover as a patient to investigate a psychotherapist. He believes is linked to a strange double murder. Um, we'll kind of leave it at that. There's another line there, but um, it, it doesn't really give anything away, but it just kind of does, it's pointless. But, that, I mean, that's the yeah. basic plot synopsis of the movie. Um, I don't know if you want to lead on this. Uh, I'd be glad uh, if, you, if you did. That'd be fine. My throat's a little sore. But, uh, you know, that's great. Whatever. <laughs> Uh well we can go we can go either way um all right yeah no I'll uh, I'll, I'll take the lead on this all right, all right. um I don't remember if I did it or not on on uh, Caltechi but I don't remember if you did it or not either but hey it is what it is <laughs> uh, righty so well first of all let's jump right in this description here I don't know that I necessarily uh, agree with a hundred percent yeah uh, I believe that it's uh, it's a it's a jumping off point, uh, certainly because I mean right from the beginning of the movie, uh, when you get the uh, the streetlights on the road, uh, you know you're you're instantly the way that it's that it's photographed it gives you the idea that you're entering a dream realm kind of nightmare situation. Yeah, um, and it it's one of those things where it's an instant feel kind of thing. You know, you have a very good idea just from the introduction. Uh, of where the film is is going, of what you're you're going to expect as far as atmosphere, as far as mood, and as far as style. Um, now, it does take a little bit to to uh, figure out what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and at first, um, it feels like a British uh, Millennium, the old uh, Chris Carter series with uh, with Lance Henriksen. Oh, nice. nice. Uh, and or you know, it kind of felt like Manhunter's Will Graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit there, uh, you know, when when we first get into it. Yeah. Uh, but but then that's that's you know that's kind of taken away. Um, that's interesting. I didn't get the Millennium uh, thing, but now that you say it, it totally it does feel like that a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, that was the, that was the very first thing that I thought of. Um, the the character of, of Chris is uh, is as much a mystery as the as the uh, the investigation that opens the film or the, the I should say the question that opens the film mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. as far as the investigation is is uh, you know he he refers to uh, to being up north quote unquote uh, and we we kind of get led into what that's about but we kind of don't yeah um, you know there's a heavy uh, a heavy vibe that. Uh, you know this character is doomed or at least damned from the very outset of the film uh, and it kind of lends itself a, a bit of a, a noir um, aspect to it in that way yeah that kind of uh, um, that kind of modern noir that we're seeing a lot of nowadays like yeah the, yeah yeah almost the Gaspar Noé the slash uh, what's that guy that did the uh, Scarlett Johansson film um, you know, I can't, oh fuck, I'm so terrible. Uh, you, uh, there's this there's this modern noir, noir sensibility that's almost video game POV yeah, sensibility. Yeah. I often talk about, you know, where they were following characters around, but basically from like the shoulders up. Yeah, 
point yeah, of view yeah, type yeah. shots. It's, it's like a, maybe it's been around for a while, but it feels like over the last 10, 15, 20 years, that video game sensibility has really kind of bled into filmmaking and storytelling quite a bit. It has, and I'm going to say this now. Uh, there is a lot of handheld in this. Um, a lot, yes. But, but thankfully not all. Yeah. Uh, it's not super so, so, shaky, though. It's just kind of... Well, I think when it starts off, it is. Because it, 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 I'll put it this way. When I start to notice it that much that I make a note on it, yeah. then for me, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I mean, because, you know, there, there's there's handheld and then there's uh, egregious handheld. Yeah. And and this kind of skirts the line for me. Egregious um, or green grass? <laughs> yeah, oh right. yeah, film joke. Want to, talk, want, to, want to talk about an offender? <laughs> Holy shit! But uh, but yeah, no, I just I, you know, I, and I've said this on multiple occasions about multiple films is that you know I really wish that when people uh, get the money, if they get the money to uh, to make a film, they should really uh, you know it should almost be like a donation thing where they're given uh, a a tripod. Mm. Um, you know, mm. right off the bat so that they learn how to <laughs> actually, you know, run it, uh, you know, and, and, and think about those things yeah. rather so, than just, you know, grab something and just shake it all over the fucking place. And, oh, yeah. look, uh, it's a, this is being immediate. Oh, we're in the moment. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't buy that. Yeah. Set up a shot. Set up a. I, you can yeah. watch, you can watch, uh, an old Maisel's brothers documentary or anything like that where they had a fucking how many pound fucking camera sitting on their yeah. shoulder and that yeah. thing is like a rock yeah for yeah, most yeah. of the for most of the thing but you know nowadays it's just like there's just no it, it, it's one of those it's a, it's a major pet peeve of mine yeah yeah uh, the, one, the, the good thing about this film though you gotta admit is that there is those moments and I, I know what you're talking about but there's also there is very still shots in the film too the film oh, the, absolutely it has and a lot of still moments Yes, yes, and that's that's kind of that's kind of what redeems it in my mind yes. as far as as far as aesthetically. It does for me too. Uh, if it had all been handheld like the walking shots, yeah, uh, I think I'd have tuned out. Uh, absolutely, I'd and I did have it. some difficulty with this film. I'm going to flat out say it right now. I did have some yes. some issues with this movie. <laughs> oh yes, yeah. Uh, uh, I think that, uh, and speaking of um, visuals, I think that uh, Tunley does a, a, a pretty decent job of uh, photographing London, kind of like a looming, impersonal, menacey kind of thing. Um, and I felt that that added to, uh, the vibe, um, that he constructs overall. Um, and this is where we kind of get into a little bit, I guess we could call it kind of spoilery, but not kind of spoilery because it comes along pretty quickly. Um, but the, the character starts to get a little bit too involved in his therapy. Uh, and we start, he, it starts to twist around. Yeah. Um, and this is really this is really the main theme of the movie, and it it, it comes up, and they actually say it um, at uh, at multiple points about how the uh, the inside becomes the outside, and you know Mobius strips uh, and that sort of analogy. Yeah. And we co- we go from what we initially think is going on, and we start to get the pieces of what might be going on, uh, and we are given a lot of questions about is this true is this not true and then we think um because it's brought up that yes he's a policeman no he's not a policeman uh you know this person's a psychotherapist this person's not a psychotherapist this guy over here is his buddy who's a cop this guy over here is his buddy who actually works for a a booze company uh and you know us piecing together what's real and what's not is kind of the key to the film um, because it, you know, once we get to the end, 
it uh, it does you know there is that that circularity to it that uh, that I appreciated more than the journey of getting there. If that yeah. makes sense. No, it does. It does. As a matter of fact, by the time we get to basically the breaking point, mm-hmm. I I thought to myself, man, it would have been really nice if we had more of this. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, but I think that the way that they build it up you know they kind of do that kind of unraveling of a fragmented mind kind of thing mm-hmm. um and you know even when we become sure of certain facts you know the film keeps playing it out like it's two kind of realities in yeah. quotes yeah. kind of yeah um and that's you know where, where this is all coming from uh you know like you get the uh, the moreland character who you know is he a criminal genius or is he a genial old therapist or you know you know what's going on is he from, have, or is he from the wicker man we don't really know yeah it's, yeah right <laughs> heavy uh, heavy vibe there there was there was uh, moments when i thought to myself this thing's gonna go full wicker man on me man yeah didn't you um yeah absolutely i thought that was gonna i thought that was gonna happen too um but this is you know it, it this is one of those films where it's, it's kind of difficult to talk about in specifics because the specifics are intentionally murky and to give them away is to kind of rob anybody who wants to have this experience of having it. Yeah. it, it yeah, I don't yeah. know. Would you say that's a fair statement? It is a I, fair statement. This is one of those movies where you can only talk about it up to a point. And then, yes. to be fair, I mean, I'm not big on spoilers. I listen to podcasts with spoilers. I don't think spoilers ruin films. That's just me, my opinion. Mm-hmm. But we kind of put our feet in the sand a long time ago that we don't spoil films here. So... Right. Uh, we just don't do it. So it is up to a point. I think the most interesting stuff in here to talk about is the spoiler stuff. So obviously we're not going to be able to talk about it, but not at length, not at length, but I think we can talk about everything around it. Yes. But I'm with you, man. I was hoping the stuff that when there's a break, I just keep thinking, man, it would have been so nice if this would have happened. Like it didn't have to happen super early in the movie, but maybe halfway through. Yeah. 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 Um, there's that oh the the Tommy character the guy with the long hair at the party uh, did he give you like Gary Oldman vibes at all? <laughs> so that or guy is that just me yeah no that that actor I've seen him several times in films and he he has that long hair stuff and he does give you the uh, Gary Oldman from uh, True Romance vibe yeah right and I can't think of what that actor's name is man but I've okay. seen him, yeah I've seen him in a few things yeah and uh, yeah he uh, he always has that vibe yeah Paul K there he is <laughs> what else have I seen him in? Uh, something not too long ago. Well, he was on Game of Thrones there for a little bit. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. That's what I remember. From Game of Thrones, he's one of those uh, the fire guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I know him from mostly uh, recently. But I've seen him in other stuff. But he always looks that way. He always kind of looks Gary Oldman ish. <laughs> but yeah, he was he was really uh, he was really rocking it this time yeah. around. I laugh uh, because that's the first thing that crossed my mind too. I was like, man, is that Gary Oldman? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought, man, they got a budget on this thing. Um, then you get one of the uh, the most awkward mornings after uh, with the with the girl that he meets at the party. Yeah, that is pretty awkward. It's just like, oh, dude, really? Yeah. And it's and this is this is the moment when, uh, at least for me, you really begin to have a bit of an issue with the character, the main character, because it begins to really become very very plain that that he's. Really, and I, I know I use this term a lot. It's kind of like a general catch-all, but he's kind of a, a sad sack kind of guy. Yeah. 
Uh, and you know, you, you begin to question why anybody wants to be around him in the first place and why the people who he's involved with, uh, were involved with him in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and I'm certain that, and, and you could, you know, obviously we could say that, um, you know, you know, he may not have been the same person back then when they knew him, he may not, but he's that person now. Yeah. And for somebody to, to kind of like go out of their way to want to make a connection with him is just kind of mind boggling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's, he's the kind of guy who is difficult to follow in a film or find compelling in a film Yeah, because he's so, uh, like passively miserable. Yeah. So that's the thing. I don't feel like, you know, so obviously we we all have friends who have issues, uh, sure. and obviously he's going through something, but he is so overtly miserable. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's some kind of disconnect between the audience and that character. I felt the same thing. Um, normally, if somebody's starting to lose it in a movie, uh, you can kind of relate in some way or some fashion. Yes, this character I just felt like became increasingly lost and i don't feel like tunley did a good job of leading us down this kind of lost path if that makes sense well i don't think th- i don't think that he gave us enough meat to you know kind of carry us through the surface elements or the the more difficult elements yeah of the the character that we didn't get enough underneath outside of the um uh how do i want to say this uh, the more, you know, genre, um, uh, needs of the movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, uh, if I'm saying that right, you know, it, it, we didn't get, uh, I, that's the way, that's the best way that I could really say it without getting too far into to anything that I don't want to let, the, the, let, uh, yeah, yeah. let the cat <clears throat> out of the bag on. Yeah. I mean, I think the actor Tom Meaton. I think he is fine. I like his face. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's got a great. He's got a Sergio Leone face. Yeah, yeah. And he's. Um, I think he does what is needed for him in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that Tunley kind of leaves him kind of hanging out there a little bit too much with some weird choices for him. I tell you what, man. This is easily the most walkingest movie I've seen in some time. <laughs> there is a fucking shit ton of walking in this movie. Yes, there is. And I'm not exaggerating. Normally, I would say, you know, maybe I'm not fully watching sometimes when there's walking going on. I just keep looking up and somebody's walking. No fucking way. This movie is 80% walking, <laughs> man. <laughs> so Yeah, it's got the... Uh, it's he's got getting the, his steps uh, in. The ghoul yeah. is getting his steps in. <laughs> it's got its Fitbit uh, rocking. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. thing's pinging. This is a new genre, man. Fitbit horror. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah we get we get these uh you know, the really uh, the 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 great things about this like i've been saying is is the, is the way that it twists things so you know you get michael's um paranoia the michael's this guy that uh, that he meets um who was uh, also a patient of the this therapist and you know the michael michael's paranoia kind of elevates you know you're thinking to yourself well is this a psychotic breakdown is it in, you know is it, is it like enlightenment uh, and I think that that's that's kind of the stuff that is just compelling enough to be believed. Yeah. Um, because it really, you know, it can go either way. 
um, even when you think you're right about something, it could mm-hmm. still you know it could still twist and and uh, and go a different way. And even even by the time we get to the final the final moments of the film, the final you know let's call it a revelation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know it could still be more than one thing. Uh, and I think that that part of it it does well enough. Um, not a hundred percent for me, but well enough that uh, you feel that most of the journey wasn't wasted yeah Yeah. um but it it, you know it's uh it's pretty obvious at a certain point where the film is headed right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh you you know you can almost see coming that 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 sort of final moment of the film um but overall i mean it you know it's a pretty well made film uh it's got some interesting ideas yeah i think it's i think Um, it's very well made actually i think uh, i like the way it's shot yeah, I like the sound. Well, I like the soundtrack. It's synthy, but not over synthy. Yes, it's very moody. Yeah, it's very atmospheric, and I like the atmosphere the film sets up. I like this kind of lonely. Uh, you know, I joked about the walking, but I like all that kind of loneliness in the face of being out there in society and stuff. I mean, because to me, I can be a lonely soul myself sometimes. So, when, but I'm lonely. I'm very reclusive. Yeah. Where this guy's the opposite. Of course, his apartment's only about the size of my fucking closet. But uh, that is the smallest apartment maybe in cinema history. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's close. It's, up there. it's close. Well, there might be some Japanese ones out there. Cause <laughs> yeah. they like to. Even the Japanese are looking at this going, dude. <laughs> <laughs> man, that's fucking tight. <laughs> that's tight, man. <laughs> you know, that's, but- the, that's the kind of apartment that you even hate your own farts in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that's just not. <laughs> that's that kind of apartment. I don't even know where the bathroom is. I'm guessing they got a, probably a shared. Yeah, they got a shared one. Shared loo, I guess is what they would say over there. But uh, yeah, because there's no bathroom in there. There's no sink. I mean, it literally is like a like a cupboard. Yeah, it's just four walls. And a, and a mattress, mattress and like a bookshelf, right? So mm-hmm. I'm sitting there thinking, you know, of course, me and my addiction to entertainment. I'm sitting there thinking, dude, put a TV on that wall. Something, man. Do something. Put a picture on the wall. Do something. You know, put a mirror up there and jerk off. I don't care. Do something. Ooh, I may have let out some of my psychology there. Uh oh. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, but the, yeah, the major problem for me is that, yeah, I don't think that I ever really found the main character as compelling as. I think he should have been, and whether that's to the film's credit or detriment, because I was thinking about this a little bit, is whether or not, you know, this is intentional because of the nature of the story that Tunley's telling, Mm -hmm. or if this is just a a flaw in you know the either the script writing or the or the actual filmmaking. It it could on and and here it's a perfect example of the the nature of the film itself. You know, it could go either way. Yeah, you could easily say either way. You know which one it is, and that, that I, I, I wouldn't I, I would not go so far as saying that that would make this a, a bulletproof film uh, or a, a review proof film, obviously. But um, it does certainly you know open up uh, you know that sort of discussion, uh, and and yeah, that's really that's really the major my major gripe with it um, is just yeah, it, it's just it, it doesn't. You just don't really want to follow this guy's, and, and I'll I'll put this out there. Uh, I think that this would make a decent companion to uh, David Cronenberg's Spider. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I like a, a, I like Spider a lot more, but yeah, 
Oh, I like Spider a lot more too. Even though Spider is a very difficult film, it especially is. It you know, is. even coming from Cronenberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Spider is an extra- incredibly difficult film. This is a difficult film in a little bit different way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's got that same sort of you know kind of um, uh, mindset to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that that's the majority of the the stuff that I have that that's not going to really give much away. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what else you got. No, I, well, I mean, I was behind the character at least <clears throat> I'd say at least halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. I was I was okay with the way the Meaton's performance was going. Um, I kind of saw what they were going for, and I kind of enjoyed it. I did like the other therapist. I thought he was very colorful and and well acted, and maybe even a bit over the top. But I thought, okay, this adds a little energy to the movie. Well, yeah, exactly, energy. Yeah. I think that the problem with the movie for me was I really didn't understand. Maybe and maybe I did. I don't know, but I didn't really understand the um, the angle with the female character in the film, the Kath Kathleen. Yes, I think. You know, I, I think it's a situation where he was in love with her, but she's in love with his buddy. Um, and there's a bit of a triangle there. I felt like they were sleeping together at some point. So a little bit of it obviously is, you well, know. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at is, you know, with with I don't understand quite what she saw in him to begin with other yeah. than that. You know, I think if if that was the case that they were, you know, a couple at one point, or let's even just say a fling at one point. I think she just feels sorry for the guy. I mean, if you want, I know Dude, that's, I've never been that lucky. Yeah, you know, I know, I know, I know. And that's I've like, had a lot of people feel sorry for me. <laughs> Believe me, there's there's people feel sorry for us right now because <laughs> we're recording a podcast at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Mercy, fuck are words that have no meaning. <laughs> yes yes no but I, I call it call it a vibe i don't know what it was but that's what i got from it and but it was confusing right i mean i even then i mean i'm saying that out loud but even by saying it out loud i'm thinking to myself well maybe not you know maybe maybe not and that's i think my my biggest problem with the movie is so it's going for the the kind of mind fuck type elements it's going for Absolutely. that clearly and some of it works, but some of it is a little too twisty for its own good. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. For, to argument. the point to where it just, you know, it kind of, I don't know, it just kind of falls off the map for me at times. I really wanted more of him and the Coulson character hanging out and talking about the therapist because I thought there was some good stuff there and I thought they could get yeah. a lot of exposition out that way. And, well, they, uh, they bring it up, and then it's just it's just kind of more danced around yeah. than it is developed. Yeah, as far as that, yeah. What you what you're really left with is is just kind of the intimations that Coulson gives to to uh, the main character Chris, and then you know it's just kind of left to play out, or we're we are left to dwell on it whenever the other therapist is on screen. Right, right. Because we we have to. Because that, that, I mean that that's kind of the the thing that. That uh, that works, like I said, is just it's just bringing up these questions and then just being like, well, I don't know, you yeah. know, that, like the filmmakers <laughs> just like, well, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I know, I know, but it's it's a strange it's a strange movie that way. I mean, I think so. I'm I'm going to give some credit to Gareth Tunley. Uh, this is one of his first films. It's not his very first thing, but it's one of his first films. So I will give him some credit. He's put together at least something interesting here. Mm-hmm. Um, I got through the whole movie. That didn't bother me. I, I wanted to see how it ended. The length is good. I think it's like 85 minutes long. Yeah. So, which is about the right length for something like this. 
It is very low budget. Um, I think Tunley's made mostly shorts, and like I said, he's mostly acted and stuff. Um, but uh, I, I, I think the movie's fine. Uh, I just I had a lot of problems with it, and I think it's just you know it's an early film. It's 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 his first full. Okay, so I wanted to go back and check. It is his first full feature film. So he's made some shorts and things, and he's done acting and stuff. So for a first film, it's not that bad. I mean, it's pretty good. Uh, I like the well, way it shows film. promise. <clears throat> it sure does. Most it, most absolutely, you know, absolutely. I think it shows promise more than anything else. Yeah. There's some, definitely for me like the next Gareth Tunley movie I want to see. I yeah, want I want to yeah. see what he does next. Um and now I've, you know, uh, Tom Meaton, the guy that's in the movie, the main star of the movie, I've noticed I've seen him in other stuff now. So he cuz again, he's got a kind of that kind of face where he can kind of blend into a lot of movies. Um he was interesting to me to the point where if I see him again, I'll always kind of remember him as this kind of character in this film now because he's so kind of central to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um I really I guess there's moments in the film that I really found caught me up and really got me into there, There's a moment when, um, Meaton's character names his psychosis. And I really like that moment between him and that therapist Moreland. I really like that. That's very well acted. Um, cause at that point more from that before that point, I should say Moreland's kind of this jovial, almost Dr. Doolittle S type of therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's kind of running around the woods and he's doing all these things again, very wicker manish, and he's got a cane, and you know he's very, you know, well, and the stuff with the, like the sigils, yeah, and the, it's kind of yeah. kooky and and all these kind of things, and that's fine. But that's that, and then he gets this very serious look on his face, mm-hmm. and I like where that the the Moreland character and the other therapist character, I like where all that stuff goes, and again, this all gets into the end of the film, which you can't really discuss. I like all that stuff. I found all that stuff very enrapturing I, I really got caught up in it but the problem is it just it 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 just comes way too late yeah and yeah. by that point you know i'm starting to tune out and the vibes aren't there it almost feels like this would have been a, a better short than a feature length but of course you're never going to get to the feature length filmmaking unless you probably take some type of short or some type of idea you got and stretch it out and he tries and he tries and i i, I give him you know props for it's a valiant effort but well that's maybe yeah too one of the things that times. i was thinking one of the things that I was thinking when I when I was watching it is that you know this is this is one of those films which is you know feels kind of like a Twilight Zone dragged out to feature length. Yes, and that's really and even in you know I know that you know there was always that sort of argument, um, you know when the Twilight Zone went to an hour long, right. uh, that there was right. just too much time to be filled, and I think that that kind of hurts this in that same way because yeah. there's you know there are some really great ideas there is some you know talented stuff going on on yeah. screen and behind it yeah uh but it's just it's just a little bit too uh it could use better pacing let's put it that way for, yeah. for a film of this type uh-huh. uh it needs to know when to throw the twists and when to give us when to actually develop something yeah 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 uh, and I think that that's really that's really like the fatal flaw of the film. Not that it's like we've been saying. Not that it's a bad film. No, 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 no. Um, but it's yes, it, it 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 most definitely has flaws to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the vibe. I mean, it feels like a. I guess the and this is not a criticism in any way. It feels like a film festival film. It feels like a very much yeah yeah a I film that. that you know somebody's trying to you know kind of open the door for themselves. And I think Tunley's opened the door. Um, for me to see more of what he does, obviously, and I'm interested to see what he does next. Um, mm-hmm. And 
I, that's really the, you know, I mean, if there's a, a, a glaring thing I can say about it is that, you know, it, it feels like that. It feels like a first time film and it, and, um, it works in that way, but it also fails in that way. Um, which I think is fine. Um, Todd shared a photo, um, <laughs> in case that comes through on the, uh, on the, <laughs> nice. That's interesting. <laughs> I, just, I just saw it <laughs> nice i don't know uh that that his face doesn't strike me as that's uh what i would cast him as but yeah right yeah. <clears throat> sorry i'm losing my voice a little bit um but to get back to it yeah i think i'd like to see see more him and colson together and them kind of yeah. working with the therapist and um those things um i gotta say there's a moment in this film this is not a giveaway uh, cause of the way I'm going to state it, but there's a moment where we see somebody has made like a collage on the wall about a character yeah. and man, if they don't make the exact same collage the second time, talk about somebody with a psychological issue. If they don't make the exact same collage, sorry, <clears throat> the second time, it's amazing to me. Um, I mean, those collages look almost exactly alike. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like you're well, definitely think- tying them to that character. Yeah, no, well, I think that, I mean, obviously that's intentional, right? I yeah, mean, and obviously that's one of those situations where they just remove things from one set, probably change the name, and oh, stuck yeah. it up on well, the they other probably, set. They probably just had it taped to, like, a, a piece of cardboard, and it was yeah. like, okay, let's move this. Yeah, but I always laugh when I see collages, and they're exactly the same, like, in multiple locations. I'm like, man, <laughs> how, you know, how anal is this, uh, you know, person with this, uh, my, my throat is, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> playing games with me it's kind of like when i used to listen to kate jackson when she was talking on like yeah. charlie's angels i was always just like kind of i would kind of yeah. like want, wanting to be clear my throat and at the same time i'm turned on i got that thing going on right now yeah 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 so the weather down here where i'm at is um balmy and uh, causes me to have issues sometimes so mm. anyway back on point um again like we said there's a lot of confusion there actually is at one point in this film i'll give it credit at one point in this film i thought to myself wait a minute is he a cop because i think they 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 played a fast one on me and uh so i'll give it credit for that because it fooled me at one point and uh, i kind of enjoyed that it did that like it had me asking questions to myself which is what you want from a movie like this you want a movie like this to have you stop and and thinking to yourself wait a minute is the what did he do here why did he do that you know exactly you want to be thinking that um, it is a mind bender. Um, I just, I, I kind of wish it would have gotten to the mind bending elements a little sooner. Um, that's really basically my main flaw with the movie. Um, and, and the fact that it is even at 85 minutes, it feels over long and, and slow trotting sometimes to a fault. And, and I'm with you even normally with character pieces like this kind of characters who are on a downward spiral or people who are lonely or depressed, I can usually find something to relate to. Uh, in this case, I had a hard time relating after about halfway through the movie. I had a hard time relating with Meaton's character. It just like it, I don't know. It lost me somehow, some way. And again, I think this is why the Colson character kind of brought life to the Meaton character. And, uh, I kind of wish they were together more while he was quote unquote, you know, going through these depression, depressing moments because when he's by himself, uh, I don't always understand. I mean, he becomes more and more. And I'm guessing this is why the title is The Ghoul. He becomes more and more of this hunched over uh, kind of creature that's walking around, you know, in plain mm-hmm. sight, right? 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that's where the title comes from and stuff. So, And there is a part of me also that almost really fully wanted it to be a ghoul movie. <laughs> yeah, no. Because, you know, there's not enough ghoul movies. So, <laughs> you know, so anyway, that, that, that's just wishful thinking. But I think it's a good, I think it's a good uh, first film. I mean, I really do. I don't, I don't think it's a, a bad first movie at all. Um, it works, um, at least in some regards. I just, I don't know. I, it's, it's really hard to talk about without the ending. It, it just doesn't work in every way it should for me. Um, and I should say all the supporting players are really good, too. Um, most of the acting in the film is pretty solid. There's not really any bad acting. The, the Actually, the Gary Oldman look-alike guy, um, he tells a very interesting story. I don't know what the fuck it means in the movie outside of the fact that it gives him an acting moment because he's there. He seems like he's a pivotal part of the movie, but he has nothing to do with it. Well, yeah, for the length of time that he's on screen and the, what he's allowed to to do, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, you do just kind of get that idea that you know he really should be a little bit more like involved I, in this. Yeah, thing. I thought he was going to come back, right? I mean, I felt like exactly okay, this, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to see this character again. Well, I thought I honestly at that point in time I thought we were going to go down a little bit of a different road that I didn't want to go down. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I didn't want the film to go where I thought that it was going to go, and thankfully it didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did I. I thought it was going to go another way too, and I'm glad it didn't go that way. But at the same time, I was looking forward kind of to that character coming back. In yeah, some way. and at least seeing what he, you know, what else he does. Yeah. So, but that's all my thoughts on the ghoul. We'll kick it over to you for MVTs make bricks. Ready? Uh, MVT for me is uh, the script. Uh, I think it's uh, you know it is written by Tunley, obviously. Uh, it's uh, pretty complex. Has a lot of ideas that appeal to me. Um, so, I like that. Uh, Make or Break is the, uh, for me, it was the finale in Moreland's house. Um, yeah, it's good. It, it makes sense, but it's still open. And it's right before that it, it gets, it's kind of the uh, the cliff that this thing goes off into uh, its, its full-on mind-bending kind of thing. Um, so there's that. And I would give it a 6.5 out of 10. Uh, like we've been saying, it, it's definitely... Uh, definitely flawed, mm-hmm. but it is. It's also very much worth the uh, the time to to check it out and to uh, to see how Tunley grows uh, as a filmmaker. Uh, yeah, I think he shows a, a a lot of promise. Yeah, I think that if he, I mean, me personally, uh, obviously my my first suggestion to to every filmmaker, and like I said before, is you know, learn how to shoot a movie without a handheld, and then go from there. But uh, outside of that, you know, I, I really like the way that this guy's uh, coming along. So yep. Yep. that's all I got. Uh, my make or break is also the same. That kind of finale moment in Moreland's house, it kind of is the payoff mm-hmm. um, for the whole movie. So can't really talk about it much, but I really like the acting in that scene. And I like the way it plays out and uh, really like everything after that. Uh, so, again, just kind of comes a little too late. Um, my MVT, I'm going to go with the Moreland character himself. Oh, okay. I really enjoyed, once he comes into the movie, it really gives it some pop. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah. he's almost this eccentric kind of oddball character. Normally that doesn't always attract me in a film, but in this case, I really enjoyed his uh, performance. I thought that actor was really good. And then when he got serious, it's like, you know, it was, you know, really good acting. I thought he, he managed to be able to turn it on and off when he needed to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and my score is just a little bit lower in yours, 6.25. So we're kind of on the same page with this one. Yeah. Uh, again, very solid uh, first film from Gareth Tunley. Looking forward to what he does next. Um, this is not a home run, but it's certainly a, a single, maybe a double. 
up the middle. I'd give it a, I'd give it a double. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Pretty good. And bravo again to Arrow for releasing it. I mean, you know, I know it's a newer film, so yeah, you would think oh, it's going to get a release, man. But there's still films I saw with Will at TIFF that haven't gotten film, they haven't gotten releases. So that's not the way the world works. I mean, I don't go to film festivals a lot, but from what I understand, there's thousands of films that never even see a release. So mm-hmm. it's crazy when you think about it. All right, so that's the big show for this week. We hope you enjoyed uh, everything we talked about this week. I uh, don't know what we're doing next week yet. Um, again, want to thank everybody. Still a couple of donations trickling in. I want to thank you guys for that. Um, uh, it keeps the show going, makes it easier for us. It's not a free, it's a free show for you to listen to, not a free show for us to put out. But again, we're not looking for, um, you know, fancy equipment or anything else. I know I did hear people are talking about t-shirts and stuff again. Again, we just, Will and I and Todd, we're also busy. It's really hard to get that stuff going again, but I do know we are talking about it, so we'll yeah. get there at some point. We'll get there. Uh, the good news is the show lives on, and that uh, there was a time when I thought it might die. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you guys. There was a time when I thought it might die and disappear, wither on the vine, so to speak, but I don't think it's going anywhere, and uh, I'm very happy about that, and I can't believe we're coming up on <clears throat> excuse me, 10 years of this thing. It really is yeah, amazing right? to me crazy just insane and in those 10 years there's so many films we haven't covered that that have come out in those 10 years that like there's just like all this great material i can't wait to even talk about so it's just gonna it's gonna be fun um so that's everything i think uh todd you got anything you want to add uh no i'm good (laughs) we hope you enjoyed the show again get those arrow blues buy them a diabolic if you can please that'd be great send them over there tell them the ggtmc sent you over you love them because we love them. And uh, that's the way it works. So I will say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 